Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your host, certified, qualified, West Side Steve Lucky Luciano. I want to welcome you here today, live from San Francisco, California. That's right. That's right. NorCal today. Right before the big fucking uh, Super Bowl, right? That's right. We are. That's right. We're we're, we're in 49ers territory right before the Super Bowl. Oh, yes, we are. The Wyndham in San Francisco, Knob Hill this weekend. Yeah. Doing an exclusive show. On my left, my co-host is Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant barbarian, here to fucking entertain again. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. What? 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 You don't like the rep, man? You don't yeah. like Indian? Yeah. Huh? That's what this country's built on. <laughs> yeah. Whoop, whoop. And whoop, handling whoop, whoop. sound. Oh, blue eyes. Sean Lewis, certified audio professional engineer for the hard luck show. Yeah, that's Sean's jam, dude. Yeah. Right there. He likes oh, uh, he gets that day go day glow paint on and he starts wears a Viking helmet. <laughs> oh, I want to see this. The pump up jam. Yeah, that's Sean. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, if you're listening, yeah. This is the greatest show on earth. It's about to begin. Let your ears feast on a spectacle that you've never heard before. Now, being up in San Francisco, we're visiting with a good friend of mine. He's a prior guest on the show. Uh, Mr. Brian Stevens is, is sitting in today, and he's going to be doing some commentary. Brian, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Nice to be back. If you guys didn't listen to Brian Stevens, you need to go back. Episode 7. Episode 7. 007. Lucky 7. <laughs> uh, Brian spent an extensive amount of time in departments of corrections. He was incarcerated as a young man. He spent a long time in there. Dude, you know Told what? his story to us. Shared it with us. This is my boy right here. What's up? Do you what? remember? Do you, do you, he was telling us at that free breakfast. He was telling us that you can't get any meat up in the uh, no up meat. in the joint. No meat. He was telling us you can't really get any meat. He said like, uh, what were you saying, said, Brian? Like little uh, pellets. They started serving. These, I was in Nevada. I was out of state for like twenty four years, and they were serving these little pellets, and they were some kind of freeze dried. Yeah, dog food. That's what mm-hmm. it looked like. Yeah, and it went any meal that called for meat. <laughs> That was got the it. pellets. <laughs> got the yeah, but it was turkey. They were light colored. Yeah. If it was beef, they were darker color, right? <laughs> yeah, they just added something to them. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's food colored. <laughs> yeah, but it's no, me. No. It's got protein. But that's what the last few years was like. Ryan uh, really, really, really shared a lot, and and you know why we're in, in Frisco, we're going to be doing a check in with Brian. We'll be doing a Brian episode. Um, me and Brian have a mutual friend um, that we have on the show today. That uh, we've been trying to get on and get up here and get his story, man. Um, very special man. It's been on quite, quite a journey. Um, 
I'd like to welcome on to the show today, man. Let's welcome Joseph to the Hard Luck Show, Joseph. you guys. Thank you. Hey. Thank you. Sorry I don't have a real exciting intro like you guys. Hey. Make one Joseph. up. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Look at it. We got you. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's Joseph's jam right yeah. there. Yeah. Come on. Next time we're going to have to put some jazz on in the background. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hey, hey, hold on, hold on. What, 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 what do you like? Tell me what you like, Joseph. Yeah, you just pick any kind of jazz. I got some jazz for Give him Miles Davis. Give him a Miles Davis intro. No, no, no. That's a fucking let me, I got That's some. I got some. Jazz. I got some for. We'll find out if he knows what the fuck is up yeah, right well, about you know. now. Oh, oh this tested. is a test. You, no, it, ain't a test. test. <laughs> it ain't a test. It ain't a test. It ain't a test. You're just going to see what I know. Right? Nah, I ain't even going to do what you know. I got some good little cutties that, that are like my thing. Mm, okay. They're like, let's see if you like some of this, dude. Uh, let me ask you a question. You like a little, uh, you like a little satin doll? You ever listen to a little satin? No, no. You don't I like that? To, I didn't say I didn't like it. You asked me if I listened to it. I, I don't think it. Right, Joseph. Look at that. And listen, let me describe Joseph for a minute. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. He's a very smooth individual, right? He's yes, very he smooth. Is. Joseph the smooth has got his like... Nickname smooth. Yeah, that's yeah, what that's, it is. It is, actually. He's got his hair nice and tight and clean. Oh, yeah. By Ronco Peel. Yeah. <laughs> Rumble Peel, Ronco. Sprayed off. Spray it on. There yeah. you go. Are you, are you using my pillow? Are you using that my pillow? No, no, oh, oh, no, the my pillow? The no, my pillow? No, no. Have you tried that? No, I haven't tried it yet. What I is that? I sent one to a friend of mine, and she said that it was amazing. Is so, that true? Uh, yeah, the, yeah. I What's always my wondered pillow? about my pillow. I did too. That's why I said I let her be the test dummy. Back to the description of Joseph. All right, all right, all right, here we go. Back to this guy's a lady killer, bro. I got, oh, I'll tell you guys right that right now. I ain't hold no punches. <laughs> I, I, I got to give due respect where respect is due. And this guy's slaying him out here. Bro. Yeah, and he's clean, right? Like, look at his shirt. He's got a nice Are they all up. girls, though? Are they button up, button up shirt? He's clean. Like, like what do you do? Do we have dirty guests on? He's clean. Hey, of you act clean. Did, did you see Lepke? What Lepke was That's wearing? That's that Lep dog. That Lep dog. He, he just you got just done eating mozzarella sticks and spaghetti, bro. You just, oh, he's walking around to, with Smitty. So yeah, sometimes put, our, our guests are a little crummy. That's did you all. have to put plastic down on the? He sat down. Nah, no, because he would have he would have ate. He would have ate the plastic. Yeah, he would have ate the plastic. But anyway, Joseph's got like a green shirt on, button up tight, not a single wrinkle. I don't know what kind of jacket is a members only. What is that? Eddie Bauer, Calvin right? Klein. Calvin, Calvin Klein. Calvin Klein, yeah. looking sweet. Shout out to Did you Calvin Klein. Members only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm not. A, I lost my membership in members only. Back in the '80s. Yeah. Right. Sharp guy. He's sharp. sharp. He's sharp. Super sharp. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate the compliments. <sighs> Joe's, Joseph, I met you a few years back. Yes. Um, we were actually both uh, working for an agency. Same mm -hmm. agency. To at the not time. be mentioned. <laughs> yeah, we could not mention I mean, health, that. right? <laughs> We're not allowed to mention it. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that I will say that agency was uh, an agency that was uh, in many ways uh, establishing giving back to the community. Uh, it worked with lifers and people getting out of, out of prison after serving long terms. And uh, they dealt with homeless, they dealt with drug addicts. It helped with a lot of people getting their lives back on track. And, and Joseph was one of the the lead guys down there off of Van Ness and um, he's been a participant in his in his own reincorporation and reentry into back into community um, along with his own journey and doing it tell me um, let's kind of let's get let's kind of like lay out some stats Joseph how, how old are you Joseph uh, 54 I just turned 54 in September damn and um, 
I mean, you were incarcerated at a very young age, and you spent. Can you tell how old were you when were you did you were you were, you were busted in the state of California? We're in Hollywood, California. Hollywood, Hollywood, California. Hollywood right on the corner of Hollywood and, and uh, Western. Why am I not oh, surprised? I yeah, right. Hollywood West. I didn't say I didn't say Santa Monica. Why yeah, am I yeah, back then? You didn't say no, North no, Hollywood. Right. You said Hollywood. What year was this in? This was in 1983. 1983. Yeah, Hollywood West, and Western. Hollywood West, and Western. Yeah, I turned 18 on uh, September uh, 1983. I turned 18, and in December, three months later, almost to the day. Uh, I, I, I caught this case. Oh, and what did they charge you with? What was the what was the charge? Well, the charge was uh, 187. However, but they, there's a 189 factor to that because in order to, if you have a murder, yeah, murder has to be premeditated. Right? Yeah, that's right. But if they can prove that you were in the commission of another felony at the time, right, there's no longer any uh, need to prove that your intent was there. Right, you were be- already. You know, guilty of the of the underlying felony because right. And I went to law school. I'm a lawyer. So because in criminal law, they told us the intention to commit the other felony is substituted in for the felony murder. Correct. So you say I'm going to rob a bank, but you don't intend to kill anybody. Right. Doesn't matter. You go in and you kill somebody. They'll say the intent that you intended to rob the bank. You knew you knew was, that it could happen. Therefore. Right. You get exactly. the capital punishment, right? Exactly. And that's a heavy load, bro. Well, the thing is, is that had I known what, then what I know now, you, you attack. Now, let me first preface this by saying I'm in no way trying to absolve myself of what I did. I, I did what I did. Right. You know, and I'm, I regret what I did and I paid my debt for it. Right. And I'm still paying. Right. 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 I'm still right, trying right, to get right, back. Right. However, you attack those differently. As a lawyer, you would know that if you're charged with this, now you don't attack the murder. Right. You attack the, fir- the underlying criminal offense. So you attack the robbery. If you can prove that I was not trying to rob anyone, then automatically, if I'm not guilty of robbery, then you cannot connect me with the murder. Exactly. Because there's no intent. But people don't know that. Back then, you know, you get, it was murder robbery. Who was, who was representing you back then? Who represented Uh, you? I had a a series of trucks, series of dump trucks. Mm -hmm. Um, They started me out with the state appointed. Uh, I had a very good lawyer that at the time uh, named, um, uh, Charles Lloyd. Um, Charles Lloyd was a very prominent lawyer at the time, but he struck a deal with with prosecution probably to get someone because they really, you know, you know how law works, man. Yeah. It's, it's not what you what you know, it's what you can prove. Exactly. And if your evidence is short, then you try to work with the prosecutor to get something else, get a right. deal, work something. So, um, like I said, at the time, I'm 18, 19 years old. I don't, you know, this is the first time I'd ever, I'd ever done something, been involved in this type of serious type of offense. Right. Um, in fact, I, the whole time, I'm telling myself, oh, you know, you know, this, this is going to go away. You know, it's no big Did deal. Did you have a criminal history, uh, criminal record prior to this? Uh, juvenile, I went to juvenile hall on a possession charge. Mm-hmm. Actually, not in possession. It was a for sales charge uh, because I was out there dipping and dabbing, you know, okay. and doing a little cocaine here and there and mm-hmm. little weed here and there and like most kids that grow up on the streets you know right right um but uh i some people said that they wanted to get some cocaine and i'm like i know where you can get it and right. they ended up telling police because they got busted and i ended up with the case right gotcha. so i went to juvenile hall for a few weeks mm-hmm. but that was about it this was the first time i've been involved in any t- any type of violent 
Right. Well, real quick, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> Joseph used the term dump truck, which a lot of people in 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 our in in this milieu understand. But there's a lot of people who listen that don't know what he's talking right. about is a public defender. A public yep. pretender. Pretender. A, a yep. public, public pretender. pretender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That, all right. I just want to make sure that was clear because he said a couple of dump trucks. So what were you going to ask, Steve? I was going to say, Joseph, were you born and raised? Are you from the Hollywood area? What part of L.A.? LA? I was born and raised. I was born in, uh, 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 I guess it would be L.A. Hospital. Uh, what would that be? The County General. Okay, County yeah, General. General yeah, Hospital. Yeah, yeah. General Hospital. Um, and moved out to Hollywood area, say around the age of nine, ten o'clock. Parents yeah. separated. Mom, she went into Hollywood, stayed with dad in, in L.A. for a little while longer, and then we moved up into Hollywood. Okay. And All what right. did your dad do for a living, just out of curiosity? Uh, well, he started out as um, working as a general manager for a GM, you know. Um, so, and then eventually ended up getting into a, a car accident, and the other person was at fault. He lost his uh, amputated part of his leg. He ended up suing, and so he he came into a large sum of money. Wow! You know, based upon you know at the time, you if you let a person leave your club, if you if you own a bar and establishment, yeah. and you allow a person to drink to the point where they're so right. inebriated, and right. you just let them go. Yep. Well, now when they do something, now you sue the bar as well. Yeah, right? yeah, that's still the case. A lot of people don't know that. That's still yeah. the case because because yeah. the bartender in the bar, they're making money off the drinking. They're also experts because. They see people drunk every night. So if they let somebody that's clearly inebriated leave the bar, mm -hmm. right, exactly. without handling it, and then they go and they commit an accident, mm -hmm. the bar's liable too, which means exactly. deeper pockets. Exactly. Right? And you'd be surprised how many people don't know because I work on Saturdays and Sundays. I work at, at various clubs uh, as a doorman, and I walk around. And looking at my, part of my job is to look and see people that have, have they've come in. If I see when they came in, they were a little already bar hopping. Right. So I go and I look and I judge, and then I'll tell the bartender, because they don't know, especially if right. they're with friends. If all of us are going out drinking, yeah, I might be blitzed, right? Right. But you're ordering drinks. Right. So you're going to the bar, and you're getting the drinks for everybody, and right. I'm still right. drinking. Right, well, right. The, the person gets so drunk, they get obnoxious, you want them out of the club, right. of course. And they'll tell me as the, hey, man, we need to get that guy. Or we need to get her out of here. Well, I don't care if you're the owner of the club. I'm going to tell you I'm not making this person leave. What you need to do is sit the person down, give them some water, and while they're drinking the water, call them an Uber or some other type of cab or something to make sure that when you leave, they're safe. Because if not, and you, have, and you kick them out right now, you're liable for anything that happens to them. Holy and I'm not going to be a part of that. Right. I'm not going to kick them out because then now the company I work for is going to be in the lawsuit. Did the company that you work for instruct you that? Like, did they no, no, say no, no, no. That's just, just something that you learn. If you, if you get into anything, it's yeah. best to learn little things that you need to know. Right. Because the owners of bars and stuff, they're just interested in you know, customers and not having a problem, get them up out of here, yeah. and they don't think. Right. Um, so yeah, you have you're to just muscle to, to them. Yeah, yeah, and it's not that. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I keep telling people, I'm not a bouncer. I'm a communicator, right? I'm so I'm a communicator. I love that. And when there's a problem, <laughs> I want to come in, I want to talk. What's wrong? What's the problem? I mean, you're still going to have to leave. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> okay, you're still going to leave. But you walked in like a grown person. Right. Why right. should I have to walk you out like a child? Right. right. See, dude, you know what? Joseph's, do Joseph's a genius, man. You know what? Joseph's a genius because, like, in, 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 in global warming, like, right, when they called it, it used to be called global warming. Then they switched it to climate change. And it used to be secretary, but now it's executive assistant. And then, and then, and then Joseph is like, hey, I'm not a bouncer. I'm a communicator. 
right? I'm just going to, you know what? Have you ever watched that movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze? Yes. Yeah. He's, <laughs> they, call them, they call them coolers back then. Right. That's coolers. Awesome. Coolers. 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 You know, see, coolers. I worked for the same company. All this time I thought I was a bouncer. Right. right. You're, <laughs> but you're really a cooler. Yeah, but I was a cooler. You're, you're a wine you cooler. Yeah. yeah. Like a fucking wine cooler. That's yeah, a problem. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Too many wine yeah, coolers. Too many wine coolers. Yeah, that's how he got that foot. Okay. So just so we're backing up a second. I just want to be clear, and we're going to go right back to where we're at. You, when, so when you were dealing with this case and they've got the dump truck showing up and you're, you get, you get picked up on this, this case at 18, you're in LA County. How long, how long is the process of you fighting this case? Wow. Uh, the process is, it can be as close to two years. It can be about that. Was it for you? Yeah, it was personal. about because of postponements. Right. You know, you get one attorney, that attorney ends up dropping, Mm -hmm. you get somebody else, and then they postpone it for, and you don't realize, I didn't realize, let me keep it with me. Yeah. I didn't realize exactly how this was going down, that I had the right to, no, I want to hurry up and do this and let's get this over with. You had a right to a speedy trial. Right. They, you know, you hear that? You know, but those are words. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it means. You don't know what it means. All you know is what your attorney is telling you because you're in a situation where you don't know and you need help. You're, you're in trouble. Would you ever look at your attorneys and did they look like losers? Like, did you look at your attorneys and you're like, man, this is a fat old man that's making no money. How's he going to get me out of this jam? You know what? I would have had I had that. But uh, my, the attorneys I had, they were sharp. Were they? The problem was is that they were appointed, I guess, as a lawyer. Yeah. If you're in the courtroom at the time... And they assign, you can be assigned a, a case. Right. Because as you're, you're an attorney, you're a private attorney. You're, you're $100,000 an hour, whatever. But you can be assigned a state-appointed case. That's true. Mm-hmm. And you're not getting paid your usual fee for that. Right. right. Obviously. And that's what would happen with me. I got state-appointed. And so now I'm getting reputable, rich attorneys. They come in sharp. My attorney had his own uh, uh, monogram shirts and all that. Right, 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 but right, right. but it, during the trial, I'm looking at the back of his chair because he's turned his back to me while he's trying to you know look fabulous or whatever for yeah, whoever. Right, right, right. So he, I was convinced. I was talked into not having a jury trial, talked into having a judge trial because what? he knew the judge. Not good. And I, well, you don't know. I know you, you know? don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Right. So um, he's saying that you know if we go into this judge, I know this judge, and we're going to work a deal, and you know, and everything was was a deal was going to happen. This is we're going to get out of this until the last minute, and uh, then then they said, well, you're going to be found, you know, guilty. You know, what he told me before I went in, you know, you're going to be found guilty of this, and um, you know, I'm sorry about that. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Whoops. I'm sorry. But you know what the thing is, is here's the deal, too, because when you get that. So that's part of your duty as an attorney. That's kind of a a duty thing. You get to get paid and you get to go in front of. But you got to know that every once in a while they can snap their fingers and make you work for nothing almost, even though you're like the best and, you know, represent somebody who can't pay you. How often does that happen? All the time. All the time. I had the same case. It's the same thing happened to me. When I ran out of money. Uh, they appointed an attorney. I lost my attorney, and then they appointed somebody else. So check this a good out. Attorney. Just so check this out. So what happens is, so you get you can get a uh, like a there's a there's a couple of things that can happen to you. Now one, you can get a a young guy that doesn't know anything, and this is his test case, right? So he's like, fuck it. I mean, I can't break it. It's already broken. I'm just gonna come in and do my thing. <laughs> exactly. Right. And then you can get like a really rich guy who's gonna come in and do it. He's gonna write it off probably. 
and he, but he's going to not maybe put his best foot forward because he's not getting paid to do the extras. Yeah. Did you say maybe? No, there's no maybe about it. Right, uh, right. absolute. Right. He's, he's not going to put his best foot. Well, there might be. There might be a couple of criminal guys that actually love this kind of shit. See, that's what I, my theory with attorneys. I talk to a lot of people about attorneys because everyone's like, why you do all this other shit, Jumahan? You should just do it. And I go, let me tell you something about attorneys. All right. Only 5% of those motherfuckers love being an attorney. Meaning like they almost don't care about the money. They want to fight. They want to argue. They want to grab someone. They want to take a case that looks like a fucking slam dunk. They, the prosecution doesn't have to lift a finger and they want to fuck it up for the prosecution because they just, they're just troublemakers, shit stirs. That's, that's, what they, that's what they live for. They don't care about the other shit. And then you got the other 95% that are trying to make a big check and they want to look cool in a suit and they want to look like that person on TV. They don't really enjoy the law. I mean, that 5%, you got those guys I just talked about, gals too, that like to fuck shit up for everybody else because they don't put, and they got a weird hard on for some kind of thing that you don't understand, but they're there fighting their ass off for you. Yeah, I didn't get that one. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then you got another ones that are legitimately interested in the philosophical aspect of the law in that 5% who want to fight and attack because there's a point that they want to make that's important to them and that can really fuck up the prosecution's case. And you obviously oh, didn't get I that didn't get one. I didn't one of those either. So, which, so you got like a flashy grandstander. Well, yeah, well, that's, I mean, you know, that's what he makes his money. I mean, you, because you got to look at attorneys. They have to pay for uh, expert witnesses. They, oh, there's yeah. money that has to come out of their pockets. Oh, but, and what actually comes out of the, the client's pocket. The client actually pays for that. They do. You know, so if you want expert witnesses, you got to pay for it. Right. Right. If an attorney has somebody that he was assigned, that's not, he's not getting paid for this. What's his incentive? I mean, he's already got, let's say I've got five people on my caseload. Right. right? And each one of them is paying me, you know, 100000 here, 50, 60, 70000 there, you know. And then I got this guy that's not paying me anything. Right. But now my guy over here that's paying me $150,000 an hour or whatever, this guy, they got dead bang. They got him. I'm trying to figure out how am I going to get him out of this. Right. But you, you have a more serious case. He's got an embezzlement. You got a murder. Right. I'm not getting paid for you, but they don't really have you. So I talked to the prosecutor. Check this out. Let's right. work something. Right. Let my boy over here go, slap on the wrist, and I'll give you this guy. Absolutely. I'll talk him into making your job easier so you can lead him right into the, to the you, prosecution. Right. right. And you can, have your, you can have your conviction. And you can have your conviction. You yeah. can so have your you conviction on a higher on count. On a higher right. case. And you're going to let my right. money embezzlement right. guy go. And you don't know that when he comes and tells you, hey, I know the judge. We're going to get a show out of this. So he actually ends up using the state-appointed case as a bartering tool. To yeah. better his own business. I mean, if you think about it, no, I'm not that saying, could not, you're not no, saying no, that. You're not saying that happened, but that's very plausible. No, 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 listen. And those are the kind of deals that go down without saying it. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. Hey, we got two cases together. Let's see. Hold on a second. Let me take a look at this. This is crazy. Yeah, I represent that guy, Joseph, on that. I don't know. It looks a little dicey there. I'm not. And then, well, we got this other case over here. Boy, you know what? I'd love. The best thing that will happen in the world is somehow I could work out this embezzlement thing and then. I mean, you know, I don't know if I can beat the Joseph case. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's all that's, it would take. Wow, man. That's, 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 that's nuts, bro. But, that's then, nuts. but then think about the cost, like the human cost on something like that. So let's say, we're not saying it did happen, but let's say it did happen. Because I'll also tell you, when, the, when, when you're a flashy attorney 
right, who, has, who knows the judge is going to get you a deal? I mean, let's talk about the flashiest of the flashiest. Johnny Cochran. Did he say to anybody like, oh, let's not do a jury trial on a criminal thing? Hell no. You know why? Because you want a jury. You want a jury because uh, reasonable doubts, that's a high, that's hard to prove actually. It's harder to prove than people think. You go right to a judge, he's already heard it. That's all. one person that you have to convince opposed to trying to get 12 people to settle on something. When you do a judge, you got to remember, too, these jurors, this might be the first time they've sat through this. So they haven't heard all the defenses before, right? So it's a lot of this stuff sounds new to them. And you bring in the fucking judge, he's already jaded. I mean, he, he, you know, Joseph's going to say, hey, man, I, I didn't even want to do that. And, da, 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 da. and even if it's true, the judge has heard that lie so many times, you're going to be like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> well, you what? Know, you like, didn't do it, right? Like you say, man, like you, part of what your show is all about is the human aspect of things. Right. You know, it's, at what point do, do we focus on, on what is not, it's not, okay, I'm not doing something because I can do it. The question isn't, can we do it? The question is, as was done in the Manhattan Project, when they created the, the bomb, the A-bomb. Right. The, Oppenheimer said, he said, look, it's not a matter of can we do this? We can do this. It's should we do it. You know? There comes a point when you have to look at the human aspect and say, is, is it worth doing this? And how many people is this going to affect in a negative way? Right. Right. You know? Absolutely. Right. So your attorney didn't want to do the work. I can tell you that for the, for the jury trial. Because when you do the jury trial, you got to do a whole bunch yeah, of exactly. talking, right? Exactly. So then what happens after that? So, the, so, so once he comes back, he's like, sorry, you're guilty. I don't know what to tell you. What, what, what happens to you at that point? Well, after they, um, well, first they cuffed me to the wall, which was new. Um, there's, there's a little side room. You're usually held in a bullpen, what they call a bullpen, right? Where the, you, everyone's in there waiting to go back into the courtroom. Uh, this is what the people don't see. You know, when they take you out of the courtroom as a as a as a, a prisoner, they take you into a back area where it's just steel and bars and gates. And so they put you in this room, and you sit there and wait on whatever it is you're waiting on, either to go into trial or to be taken back to the county jail. What goes through your mind while you're waiting there in the bullpen, handcuffed to a wall and stuff? Like you're 18. What's your mind? Like what are you feeling and thinking at that point? Well, at the time, let me not mis misrepresent it. I'm not cuffed to the wall at that time. I was cuffed to the wall when they were about to tell me that it's all going to go bad. You're going to get found guilty. Okay. This was, That's this a was, real this the, telltale sign right. right there. So when they took me into a side room, which is called the attorney room, they take you in there and there's a little ring in the side of the wall. And yeah, I never even tripped on it until they brought cuffs in and cuffed me to it, right? I'm saying, oh, this is, this is new. And then my attorneys, you know, sat, you know, out, of, arm, out of arm's, arm's distance, lame. right? Yeah. And told arm's me that this was... That's <laughs> fucked up. Think about what he's <laughs> saying right now, bro. Damn. And basically, so when I go into Let's the Let's restrain this guy exactly. before we give him this news. Exactly. I mean, it makes sense, right? <laughs> so, and, and they tell me, right? you know, you're going to get found guilty, um... So as we, when, when you go into the courtroom, I already know what's going to happen. Um, and there's a whole lot of issues there that, that could have been brought up in, in, uh, in my appeal and stuff like that. And, of course, appeals are automatic in those type of cases. Capital offenses, um, appeals are automatic. Um, you get one, that first one, the initial right. one, you get automatically, they appeal it. It really doesn't really go anywhere unless there's no, obvious, they, obvious errors. But if they're so obvious, it wouldn't have happened anyway. The habeas corpus stuff and all that stuff, that's just like a show of like, look, the system's fair. We'll give them a second bite at the apple. We'll yeah, see right. what's what. But the apple is moving. You, know, you bite this. Right, 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 right. right, right. Wait, so, well, hold on. So, okay, let's, let's, 
let's just fucking get right down to it. So you're there, mm-hmm. and you don't know yet what they're going to tell you, but they bring you in a side room. They got the ring. They handcuff you, and you're already kind of probably in your 18-year-old mind. You're probably like, oh, that's not, I don't what like, this is new. That's not good. And then the guy comes in, and you still, like, you don't know what they're going to say yet, right? No, no, of course not. Then your attorney comes in in his suit, right? And he's standing a little ways away from you. How does he tell you, like, uh, you're going to be found guilty? Just like that. And what do you, how does it impact your heart, like your spirit, your feelings, like when somebody like that tells you that? Well, I mean, I would like to say that, you know, all the air went out of the room and things got, I know, I mean, it's okay. I mean, you got to understand, <clears throat> up to this point, I've been I've been living my life in county jail now. Okay, and, and that's <clears throat> a big part of this, because I always say this. You're worn down, bro. They're wearing your ass <laughs> down in the county jail, correct? Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's all part of the psychology, correct? I mean, the county jail is worse than the actual prison. Right. When you're a, count, when you're a, a, a ward of the county, it's different than when you become a state inmate. Right. right. Um, and this is why a lot of times people, they want to hurry up and just get it over with and get me on the Great Goose, get me back to the state. Speak on, yeah, speak on that, man, because I'm always bringing up that point that yep. that whole thing is a psychological mind fuck. They want to physically, mentally break you down oh, yeah. so that you rush to take whatever deal they give you. Oh, definitely. I mean, they make, I mean, the first thing they do is, okay, if you have family, you have friends, you have people that want to come see you. They, all, they obviously make that uh, an ordeal for them. Right. You know, we sit on one side of the wall and we ask, oh, can you get on the phone? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you come down? And it's easy, right? But for your loved ones, when they come down, they have to go through all kinds of things that they've never had to experience before. You know, they they didn't have to go through body checks or stuff like that or being questioned or just it's an inconvenience. And they try to make it that way deliberately right. Right. because they're trying to discourage your family from coming down. Here's the thing. You go to the county jail. Now, theoretically, you're going to the county jail. You are not guilty of anything yet. Right. Supposedly you you're not you, guilty. Right. You're innocent, innocent until proven guilty. Right. Of course, that's a laugh. You, you're going to county jail because you're fighting the case. But in their eyes, you're in the county jail because you're guilty and you're just waiting to go get the, get, you know, the judge to say you're guilty so you can move on. Right. And so they treat you that way. Yeah. So the difference between the, the county and the state, well, many of them, but one of the differences is that there's no weapons in the county jail. And the officers out there, they're outnumbered, you know, 10 to 1, 20 to 1, Right. So they, they're very aggressive. Right. I mean, extremely aggressive um, to the point where all of a sudden, you know, the, the squad, the goon squad will come out of nowhere. I, I've seen cases where the hallway, you might have had one or two officers in the hallway at the time for maybe going to chow, going to lunch or yeah. breakfast or whatever. Yeah. And somebody gets into a fight in the hallway. And within a matter of, of 30 seconds... Literally, 30 seconds, you've got nine sheriffs, all of them weighing in at, you know, two-something. Ex-linebackers. You know, these guys, where did they come from? I don't know. Right. Uh, But they come in, and since there are no weapons, they want to make sure that they they disable you or or, or subdue you as quickly as possible. Right. You know, and they got the flashlight therapy, of course. They're going to use that. Yeah. They're going to use, there's no rules, really. 
Um, I mean, there are, but there's none that they follow. Of course. Right? And who's going to enforce it? Yeah. And then who are you? You know, who are you going to tell? I, hey, I was treated wrong. Well, right, right, So right, you shouldn't. Exactly. What is their their line is always? Well, uh, get out of the jail. Don't right. come to jail. You right. knew it. You knew you jail know. was yeah. a bad place. Don't come to jail. That's It ain't a. It ain't a dance. It ain't right. supposed to be fun. That's why exactly. we're trying to keep you from fucking exactly. around out there. But what you guys are laying out is a very interesting concept, which I don't think many people who haven't you know interacted with the justice system that much, I don't think that they really fully grasp it, which is. You're in county pending the supposed fair trial, right? And this trial's getting postponed two years. Yes. Right. So you're two years in county on the, like, ninth floor, the 11th floor, the fucking riots and flashlight therapy and dragon meat and all that other bullshit that goes on. Whatever the balls. Right, exactly. Jew balls. We don't talk about that. Oh, boy. Getting, what is that? Let me tell you. I I experienced it a couple times. Jew balls, if you go to the whole, you went to L.A. County Jail mm-hmm. on Bouchette Street? I spent two years in that jail, so it's a, it's a, you're ready to plead guilty. If you, you're really <laughs> you're ready to take anything. Even if you're, you're not guilty, but yeah, yeah, two, exactly, two years you're ready exactly. to plead guilty, get the fuck out of there. Right, right, right. So when you go to the whole in the county jail, if you, if you, you automatically go on what's called juke balls for 10 days. Yes. That's automatic no matter what you've done. What is that? Juke it's, balls? It's a juke combination balls. of everything that, that they all, the old, all, all the old, all the old meals food, of the week. Yeah. They combine them all together in a mush, they, yeah, they, and they bake know, it like a meatloaf. They make, yeah, they make a pie out of it. Kind of, mm-hmm. they, they serve you those three times a day. Square, what does it taste like? You, you can't describe it. You, you, you won't. You'll start eating it after you know. <laughs> yeah, oh, you'll start <laughs> yeah. eating it. Yeah, it's, it's high in protein, but it's you, tastes might, horrible. you might yeah. say you're not going to eat it at yeah. first. It's the leftover. Other garbage, so like whatever those, they call chicken, whatever so steak. Yeah, over there, in that right. yeah. Part, they'll take some of that, you know, because mm-hmm. they have some of that left over. <laughs> left right. over. They'll throw it in with some salad and the, some gravy with the dressing mm-hmm. and the and the gravy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, some Jello. Sean's about and, to get sick. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah they'll uh, throw Jello, Jello in there. They're gonna put a little so it Jello tastes different each week. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's a different color and just looks like it's a different kind of nasty. You know, it's 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 never good. Right. But Some it's, places it's, called diet loaf. You. Right. Yeah, they have to feed you, so... It's called riot loaf? Diet loaf. Diet loaf. <laughs> but it could cause a riot. I'm right. <laughs> okay, so what I don't think people are understanding then, so is that... Okay, so now look, here's the process. So you get stopped by the cops, you get arrested, they decide they got enough for an arrest, they bring you in, they stick you in county... And then you're going to sit there for however long, right, eating juke balls and riot food and fucking whatever. And then and, and, and they're making it hard for your family to come down. And it's a scary place. Steve has described like what he said. It was like walking into like the city of the future from RoboCop. There was just like riots and all these different little pieces of fights and breaking out and people fucking in shoes over here. And you got to try to find your car and settle in in the jail. But it's it's not not it's nothing nice. It's a hard way to do time. And while that's going on and they're delaying it, then the prosecutor and whatever attorney is hatching together some kind of deal. So that by the time it gets to you, you don't have the stomach to wait another two years for a full-on trial. You're like, fuck it, get me out of here. I'll just say I did whatever, and I'll just go do time in a more peaceful place like Folsom, right? Which isn't peaceful at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. That's the first place I went. Um, let, me, let me clarify something. Yeah, do Because, it. okay, 90, I'm going to, this is my personal view. Nine, between 95 and 98% of the people that are going there, they did the shit, okay? 
I agree with that. They did the shit. I agree with that. All that I didn't do it, I'm innocent. Okay, you might not have done this one, but there's other things you just got away with and they just happened to catch you on a fluke on something and now you're busted. Got it. And now they're digging up and your name is popping up or your your DNA is popping up or whatever. Right, right. So... To, to having with that premise that you know you're guilty, I was guilty, right? You know you want to try to say uh, I didn't do it, or you, what you're doing is now is what I was doing is what most people do is they try to look for excuses, you know, had they not done this and if they hadn't done the other thing, and this is why one of the reasons why I believe that the criminal justice system and the court system is so messed up as it is, is because guilty people are trying to look for a way out. And they've made the law so, the minutiae within the law, so convoluted. This is why you need attorneys, is because you're trying to figure out, look, we're not worried about whether you did it or not. So here's what law has come, what I've come to, to believe. It's not whether you did it or not. It's what can they prove and how can we prove that or, or get you out of it? Right. How can we, what loophole can we use in order to make you, let's set you free? I don't care if you did it. Here's an, a defense attorney. I don't care if you did it. Right. Right? Right. The only thing you cannot do, well, one of the things you don't want to, you can't do with an attorney, he cannot, no matter what, you cannot let him know that you're going to lie. If you tell him, man, if you put me on the stand, I'm going to lie. He now cannot put you on the stand. Right. Right. But as long as you, you can tell him all day long, look, man, uh, don't worry about whether I did it or not. Just get me off. And that's what their job is. But so, hold on, but hold on, but hold on. Now I'm going to stop you right there because that is true what you said. Everything you said is true, but there's another side to what you're talking about. And that is the, the job of the defense attorney isn't just, and this is, this is what, now listen, if you're listening to this, Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds, this is really important. Because the job of the defense attorney, like the framers of the Constitution, you want to talk about minutia, you got to remember, these white men who owned slaves, even back then, think about how conservative they were. Even they, right? White men who owned slaves, conservative motherfuckers, even they said, fuck it. The state has so much power that you can't be proven guilty unless beyond a reasonable doubt. They set the highest standard for criminal conduct. They knew what they were doing. They weren't just sitting around jerking each other off. They're like, we got to set it up high. Why? Because the state is corrupt. And they knew that. They just came from the king of England. He had a thing called the Star Chamber where they would fucking basically medieval county you until you confess to a crime. Now, this is why it's important <laughs> what I'm telling you. That's why you can plead the fifth now in the United States. It's because of the shit that was going on from the state back then. So yes, it is minutia. The job of the defense attorney is not only to defend you, but is to prosecute the state. That's the job. That's what Johnny Cochran did. A lot of people look at Johnny Cochran, I ain't gonna say he's a saint or a devil. I ain't gonna say all that. The man did some shit, okay? You can say whatever you want. But he put LAPD on trial in that case. And you know what? They need to be put on trial because who's watching them? We just got done talking about Rampart, right? That shit's still going on. Lee Baca, right? The county jail? That motherfucker. Sure. Yeah. D- Lee Baca 
is going to have to go to prison for the shit that he did run in a prison. So who's holding those motherfuckers accountable? Who? It's the defense attorney. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, you got defense attorneys that are just trying to make money. But the reality is the minutia and what we think of our loopholes and all this other stuff is trying to like give you some space from the state. Now, yeah, there are innocent people that go to jail for fucking sure. I don't know what it, I agree with you. Most people did it. Most people did something. But it's the, the God damn it. We pay the police and the prosecutors a lot of fucking money from the people. Everything you buy bread, you buy your fucking cream for your foot, Brian, whatever <laughs> tax, all that fucking tax. Get off my foot. Yeah, hey, I love that thing. <laughs> Things crazy looking. All that tax goes to pay these prosecutors and officers, right? So they're doing a job and they're trained and there are rules and there are rules to the game. And a lot of them don't like it because they're so certain that people have done certain things and blah, 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 right? In a country that is born on race. And now you got a president in, in a trial and they're trying to like not let the evidence in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So my point in saying all that is, is that while it's true what you're saying, that is a thing that you can say, minutia and the rules and the people are guilty. The point of the rules is not about those people as much as it's about making the state stay honest as best we can because those motherfuckers are all working together. Uh, I don't have, I, I agree with you. Okay. Yeah. So, sorry, I don't know why, but I'm all passionate right. about that. All right. Well, listen. You're an attorney. Let's, let, we're, <laughs> let's, let's, so they, okay, what do they, when do they end up, what do they end up convicting you on? What's the true conviction or what they- The true conviction is a 187, um, because now that they they've proven the the robbery, right? Because let's listen. What happened was in my mm -hmm. case, sure. um, yeah. Let, tell us a, what happened. A, it was a, it was a drug deal. Okay. Like I said, you know, um, I'm 18. Uh, I have a crime partner, right? Who shall remain nameless. Yep. And um, so he and I want to go buy some drugs. And my story had always been the narr the narrative that I gave was that I went to go and I don't know what happened and all of a sudden a gun came out and right. I'm totally innocent. Right. Right? No, right. no. Okay, went there. We found a dude that had some marijuana. I wanted to take their drugs. Simple as that. Right? Um, so I went to the truck, pulled, told the driver to get out because we knew the drugs were supposed to be in the back of the truck. I pulled him out at gunpoint, you know, and we go to the back of the truck. The son, which I don't know was the son at the time, the passenger, he gets out. He pulls a shotgun out from under the seat. Oh, shit. He doesn't realize that my crime partner at the time, my friend, was there. He didn't know he was with me. All he knows is this guy just has a gun on my father. You know? Right, of course. So he pulls a shotgun out from under the seat, and I shoot him. Okay. Right. So I'm guilty all the way around. Wait, had you ever shot somebody before that? No. And let me ask you a question, because a lot of people don't have any experience. They just see what's on TV. What's the reality of shooting somebody? What's the real? Well, I can tell you my reality. Yeah. Okay, my reality of that is, is that uh, you're in the moment, and you do it, and you don't, it's not even, uh, it's not something you think about until later. Right. It's not something I thought. It wasn't like, you know, okay, now I'm getting ready to shoot this guy. Oh, do I, I don't want to mm -hmm. do this. No. Mm -hmm. You just, right. you react. Right. You know? Uh, he had a gun. I'm, I, I have a gun. I'm, I shoot him. Right. Can I say that I'm, I was aiming for his head because I'm just that good? No. Right. You know, I pointed the gun in his direction and I shot. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? Um, that's, that's fascinating because a lot of times like in the old west and all these other things, when you see shit on TV, the guys know what they're doing. But 
when you talk to the real gunslingers and stuff like that, they always say that, like, you're not really aiming. You don't really know what's happening. No, you, the, I mean, they even teach you in, in, you know, in marksmanship and in the academy and all that stuff. You aim for the center mass. That's why police don't, police don't try to shoot you in the arm or the right. leg. Okay, he's got a knife. Let me shoot him in the arm so that way I don't... No, they're shooting for center mass. Right. Because it's not... A, in, in the heat of the moment when things are happening, you don't have time to put the person in the crosshairs. And mm-hmm. That's for snipers. That's for long distance. Right. right. When you got time for that. When you're on the field, you can't. You just shoot at the target. Right. And you're, sh- you're shooting at the biggest mass, not the head, the right. mass. Right. Not if the limbs. Ha- not, not the, the limbs. Man. If you happen to hit them in the head because they moved, okay. But you can't put, oh, yes, I aimed right between the center of his eyes. Right. And Time no. slowed no, down. No, no, no. I shot. He shot in his direction. The bullet happened to enter into a side of his, his over his, his uh, left eye and exited out the back of his, underneath his right ear. Right. And then what right. happens after that? So after that, he... Of course, he falls on the ground. The father is standing off to the side. I have the gun on him now, and he's just saying, you know, don't shoot me. Now, again, in my mind, I thought that that was a weird thing to say because what makes you think I want to shoot you? I mean, I actually thought that. I remember that. I actually thought, why would I want to shoot you? Mind you, I just shot his son, but... But he, but him looking at me, and I'm like, because in my mind, I'm like, you're not doing anything. There's no reason for me to shoot you. Right. You know, I didn't even, it didn't even register that I didn't really necessarily want to shoot this person. Right. Right, his son. Right. I just reacted at the moment. Right. It was not something, a thought process. Right? Did the son not see that you had the gun on his dad? I don't know what the son saw. I really don't. All I know is that when I, um, I heard my, my crime partner, I heard him say, call out my name, right? And when he called out my name, then I look over because there was a little tussle over there. I'm thinking that it was just my, my crime partner pulling him out of, the, out of the truck because the objective was get out of the truck. We're Both of you, we're going to get in the truck and we're going to drive off. Right. 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 So when I get him out and I go to the back of the truck, this, there's a tussle over here. I look up. Next thing I know, I hear my name called and he's got a shotgun. Aimed at my crime partner. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Um, so I shoot. He gotcha. gets in. He gets in. It's because it's a uh, it was a pickup truck. So he gets in the, with the bench seat. He gets in from the passenger side. Slides over. Tells me, "Hey, let's go." Right. He starts to move. I just jump into the back of the truck, the bed of the truck. Right. And we're driving. And I and I remember I'm, we're driving and I'm thinking about it. I still have not even seen. I did not see the body. Right. It wasn't like I'm looking to see. I didn't right. see. We just you didn't drove stand. Away. You didn't hang around. For no, no. We right. just drove off because my crime partner, he's older than I. I hung out with people that were older than I was. Okay. You know, so here I am. I'm. I just turned 18. He was about 24, right? So he had already been done things before. So his objective, just get out of here. Right. 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 Um. So yeah, we leave the next day. I'd say about maybe, literally, maybe 24 hours later. Um, I turned myself in. You turned I, yourself yeah, in. Yeah, I went. I went back to the the arcade there, to where where it happened because it was on Hollywood and Western. Uh, it was an arcade called Rock City, uh, and so I went there, and uh, I talked to the owner because my objective was to just pick up some money because my father owned part of the part of the arcade. So we want to go in there, pick up some money, and then leave, right? And because my crime, he said, "You got to go. You got to get out of here. The cops are they're, they're going to arrest you." 
And the uh, the owner there said, look, man, they're out. They're trying to get you. They're saying you're armed and dangerous. You know, they're going to shoot you. They are, and they already know exactly who did what? They know exactly who I am because somebody that was that knew me mm -hmm. saw me do this. A witness. Okay. A witness. Uh, and she was, it was a hooker that, that knows me from the area. Mm -hmm. And she said, yeah, that's, she knew my father actually, but through him, through me. So she said, that's artist's boy. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, when you, when something like that happens and they bring people in to look at the mugshots and, and to try to identify them, if you, they're giving, they're giving people the, the uh, uh, mugshots and uh, people that have been for violent crimes. Right. They've got their pictures and everything. My picture's not in there. Right. Right. So without a witness to say it was me, they'll, they never pick me out. Right. They, yeah, you they would don't never know. come up. Right. 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 But when she's, she's got a case pending, so she's trying to get up off of some stuff. Did she really see you? Yeah. Yeah, she saw me because I knew who it was. So she described me. And that's when they went, oh, let me go to this other file. Now here comes the case I said when I had that for sale. Juvenile case. The juvenile case. Right. They got, they blow the dust off of that, that folder. Right. Is this the guy? Does this oh, yeah, that's like him. him. Yeah. That's him. Right. So that's how they get me. I mean, it was all, you know, it was all meant to happen. It was meant to happen the way it did. Nothing happens, you know, by accident. It, it was meant to happen the way it did. Um, because had I not been, I can honestly say, had I not been arrested, um, I know the path that I was taking. I was either going to end up, you know, kill, hurting some, someone else, mm -hmm. you know, or, or kill, dying myself. Mm -hmm. um, but either way, it was, gonna, it was not going to be a good Ending. end. Right. Steve, Steve says the same thing. What were you saying, Steve, about you getting picked up finally? Because you were on a path too. What was that? I think that when you're, when you're living that life, uh, and kind of to what Joseph's saying, you start to have less and less regard for the things you do, the people you're doing them to, and yourself. And as that cocktail starts to spin more and more, you care less and less. You know, and you're willing to do almost anything. The, the ante goes up little by little. What you were, what you would say you wouldn't do early in the game. Now, next year, you're doing that shit, right? And the next year, you're doing that shit, right? And uh, I know that I was either going to kill somebody or I was going to end up being killed or somehow the road I was going because the stakes were getting higher and I was less concerned with the consequences. What was your thing that you were getting excited about? Robberies. Yeah. A lot of robberies. Yeah. So I think, like you're saying, somewhere in your head, and, and it, you don't know it when it's going down, but when retrospectively, when you start looking back, you're like, Man, that that me being stopped, be, you know, God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. I was being stopped, and it probably it for me it saved my life, you know, because I was going somewhere where it wasn't going to end nicely. It needed to end one way or another. Exactly. I I follow the principle, like you say, arrested means exactly that. To arrest something means you stop the progress of something, right? right? And I believe in the uh, of the law of of of, of motion. By Newton, and one of his laws of motion is an object will remain in motion. An object in motion will remain in motion unless acted upon by a force. Right? right. Okay. Well, we're to take it off of the physical realm and look at your thinking, because that 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 is a real thing. Your thinking process will continue to move in a direction until it is stopped by an equal or opposite force. Right. And that opposite force is when they put them handcuffs on you, put you in the back of that car. Right. Right. So you, if, if, you, if something doesn't stop your thinking, it will continue to move. It will continue in that same motion. Inertia. Inertia. And you will not, what will happen is you're going to pick up 
all the things that are related to that particular um, road that you're on, and all of them are bad. If you're on the road where you're outside of the law or you, you figure that I want to make money quickly and easily, then you're going to always trip over and encounter. Like I said, you can't trip over anything if you're not moving, right? So you're moving forward on a bad path, and you're going to continue to trip over opportunities. And the opportunities, though, are, are going to cause harm. Always. They always cause harm. You might think it's not harmful for me to, you know, dip in to this, pick this guy's wallet, right? It's no big deal, but, or something from this, this woman, but I, that's their rent money. You know, that's the money for their children. You just grabbed it because it was there. Right. It was an opportunity. And it was once said that crime happens when people of low moral character are provided with opportunity. Mm. That's when crime happens mm. because you have an that opportunity to do something and your moral compass will not tell you differently. You know, what's crazy about what you're saying right now, though, it's like like in our context and what we're talking about right here, it seems real clear. Like it seems like, yeah, that's right. You know, a little moral character and an opportunity. But how much of our country's business of so-called upstanding, upwardly mobile business people is based on low moral character and opportunity Plenty. absolutely yeah absolutely absolutely american and, way and they all they've done is not ca categorize that as a crime right you know, because there's no i mean look at your junk bonds look at your the housing market when they did the whole thing oh, with the dude. you know so it's you, all, they're locking us up and these right. people are committing crimes com you've affected the life right. of hundreds if not thousands of people yeah. in a very real way yeah right right it wasn't physical Mm -hmm. You know, uh, as far you didn't as use physical a gun. harm, you didn't physically harm them, but you harmed them. Look, I, I'm, I'm it is physical. Listen, I worked on a case mm -hmm. where I represent class, a class of pe thousands of people in that housing fake loan shit. And it was physical. You know why? Because those people got fucking kicked out of their house. Well, no, I, when I say physical, I mean as far as me hurting you, you know, physically. Me, right. Me hitting you in the head right. or putting a gun on you. It wasn't violent like. in that way. It wasn't way. violent in that way. Right. So we look at that differently. We look at the thing that since the repercussions behind that action are so distant. Right. And spread out. Remote. It's different than I hit you in the head with this butt of this gun and took your money. Or I went into the bank and I, I put a gun on the teller. and I See, that's an immediate reaction. It's an immediate, it has an effect on people. Right. Right. And, or not even an effect, but an affect as well. It, it's an emotional thing. Right. Whereas that other thing with all those elderly people who are losing their homes. Right. That's, you know, that's so distant from me. And it doesn't affect me. And not only that, but uh, it's a group. It's a large group of an industry committing that quote-unquote crime. So it's hard to p pinpoint exactly who's actually responsible, right? You know what? It's interesting, but what we're painting here now, if we really want to get real is, and want to cut the shit, what we're painting here right now is we're saying, you know who goes to prison? The people who only injure like one person or two people. Or three people, max. Those are the, generally the kind of people that go to prison. The people who, don't, who, who go and get awards and donate to candidates and make a lot of money are people who harm thousands. Communities. It's the, it's the amount of people you're willing to harm. And it's how remote is your get down from the actual event. So if you're smart enough, if you're smart enough to do the junk bonds, 
if you're smart enough to do all that other stuff, you can make it remote enough, spread it out enough, and injure enough people that you ain't going to go to jail for what you did. That's fucked up. That's fuck up. So let me, let's get back to um, <laughs> drive off. You get, yeah, you let's get, get back to this power mm-hmm. bar that I'm grinding <laughs> down on. Well, he got one from himself. Yeah. Yeah. Now you go over to... You over the arcade. <laughs> you're you're going thinking that no. you're gonna go pick up some money and get out of town. Yeah, how yeah. did you turn yourself in? We're getting there. Okay. And uh they tell you, Oh man, they're looking for you. They've got you, they know the whole deal. What do you say to yourself right then? You're like, fuck it. I'm better off turning myself in. Well, yeah, I mean the the stronger argument, the the one that resonated with who I really am. Uh-huh. Let's let's be clear, uh, you know. I did a very horrible thing, mm-hmm. um, but I I'm not a horrible person. I don't I don't I you don't killed, but you're more a killer, right? I don't look for ways to harm people. In fact, just the opposite. My concern, and always has been, is not to try to cause harm to the next person. I don't want to hurt your feelings. We're just going just with feelings alone. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say things or do things. What was that? That's Steve. That's me eating. eating. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's eating a power bar right now. Uh, so naturally, when I did, I did this, I took this person's life. I took something I can never give back, right? So I took this person's life, and I'm like, okay, um, this is not who I am. Yeah. He's, <laughs> He's really putting a lot on it. He's loving that ball. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Go on. So when, mm-hmm. I mean, when, when someone says, you know, turn yourself in and, right. you know, let's work through the process, you know. Who tells you I know that? you didn't, like I said, it was the uh, uh, owner of the arcade at the time, right? Because I go in there to get the money. And when I came in, someone saw me and so they called the police. So okay. the police were already on the way. So they call him and tell him, hey, the cops are out here, you know. So he says, look, you got, you got your gun on you? I said, no, I don't have a gun on me. I don't have anything, you know. So um, he says, best to just turn yourself in, man. I could have taken off out the back and went out the back way right, and sure, all that, sure. you know, and been on the run, which my crime partner did. He stayed on the run for about a month. And they knew who he was, too. Oh, yeah, they got him. And did they in get fact, him? In fact, the, pro- the fact of the matter is they sincerely and honestly believed that he was the one that pulled He the was the gunner. Because they looked at his yeah, record, sure. they looked at me, and they're like, oh, this older guy, he's got a record, he's already had weapons charges. He, mm-hmm. This guy is from New York, so mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's probably the guy. That hardened. Did it. He's a right. hardened guy. He, right, because mind you... Um, they call it the shooter. Right. Yeah. Right. They still don't have an identification, really, of who's the shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, it could have been him. It could have been me. Right. So, naturally, they come with the old, you know, tell us, you know, you, he did it. And, you know, would Are be- you already finding out, as this goes down, let me just ask you this. By the time you get back to the arcade, have you already found out the news that it was somebody's son, that it was this guy's son? Did you start to get the dynamics no, 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 of no, it no. yet or not no, yet? No, I didn't get that until, until uh, going to trial. Because you really? don't know you don't know anything until About you go to victims. here until you go to your your preliminary, and then they list the charges and then they tell you what this that and the other thing and then you can see uh, family members and stuff they're there and. Boy, you talk, talk about looks could kill. Obviously, you know. So you got you know these people I've never seen in my life. The father is there, but I kind of remotely remember his face, right? So he's the only one out of this group of like five or six people that I'm even like I know this, but. I automatically know because the way they're they're looking to me with these daggers, you know, um, that this is the family. So then they start listing off this stuff. So, you know, I don't know anything. All I do know is that, you know, like I said, I didn't even look at the body. 
you know, so then the attorney, you talk to your attorney and then he starts telling you what they have and this is what's going on. And, you know, then that's when you start formulating, you know, this plan on how we're going to fight this. Okay. Okay. So, so, so you're there. They'd say the cops are coming. You don't take out the, the door and what they show up and approach you. Yeah. Well, they just come in. They not, they, they knock to push the door open because mm -hmm. they're cautious. Mm -hmm. I'm a murderer. Right. right. You know, for all they know, I'm waiting behind with an AK. Mm -hmm. Laying so trap. They, they open up the door. Go, they didn't have the guns out, but, you know, they're... Hands on the guns. Hands ready. on, they're ready to go. They see me. They see the situation. They ask me, are you who you want? Yes. So uh, stand up, please. They stand up. You have any weapons? You know, the whole thing. Yeah. And they search you, and then they cuff you, and then walk you right out to the car. In all that time, like, you did how many years did you do? 32. In all those 32 years, how much time did you think about that moment of turning yourself in and wondering, should I have done that? Would you still do it today? Would you still do it the same way, knowing what you know now? Interesting question. That's the first time anybody's asked me that in that way. Um, I don't know. It's a clear cut. Uh, I know I vacillated back and forth on the turning myself in. Um, but ultimately, no, I, I turning myself in because all that would have happened was out of just chalked up more charges, uh, you know, eventually. I mean, going with the premise that you're going to get caught, you know, um, especially in this day and age, you cannot, you know, you got, uh, on, you're going to be on America's Most Wanted, you know, and you, you think you're cool, but, you know, five or six people see you on TV and now they're calling the cops while you're washing dishes, you know, right. in Nevada somewhere, right. you know, and the cops come in and get you. You know, I don't know. I just thought of that. So, so, but there's so in that moment though, in those times, you didn't really ever hold out any hope or thought that like, you know what, maybe I could be on the lamb for the next twenty years. No, it never occurred to me to to uh, to run and try to get away from it. It, right. it never occurred to me of that. Partly, probably because I'm I'm already in in I'm in jail. You know, I'm not going anywhere. You know, so no, now, even before that, like, well, you I, there was really no time for that. You know, like I said, within wow. literally 24 hours after the crime, it has happened at like two o'clock in the morning on December 9th. Yeah. That following morning, say around maybe uh, nine o'clock in the morning, yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning, something like that, was when I decided to go to the arcade. So, and the only reason is because. Uh, I'm at the, my crime partner's, I'm at his house. Right. We went, when we, he took off with the truck, we drove the truck over by his house, and then we were trying to look for the drugs that were not in the truck. Was there any weed at all? Did no, you guys the get son anything? had it. The son had it on him. When the body, when he fell, he fell on the shotgun. So what they found was on the shotgun, he was fell on the shotgun, and a guy that I know, happened to be on the scene and he saw the bag and took it. I know this because when I'm going to court, the bullpen I was telling you about, yeah. where you're waiting to go in the car, he's in the bullpen with me. And we start talking about, yeah, that man, that, yes, uh, tell me about what's going on. Yeah, the, the body, man, I ended up snatching the weed. There was a bag of weed on the body and I took it. So the was it a lot of weed? Found, it was a, pound, a little over a pound and a half of weed. That's a lot of know. weed. Um, but he ended up getting, so the police didn't even have any, although they did find is that he was, he landed on the shotgun. Right. You know, my story was, you know, and he is, that, you know, he had a shotgun, I shot him, he, so he fell on the shotgun. Right. Um, but in, 
I, I had no time to sit back to go back to your question. I had no time to sit back and, and wonder, hmm, should I turn myself? Did, did I do the right thing? And no, it was it was it seemed I was following suit with what seemed to be the best route for me to take. Right. You know, on in my emotional quotient at the time. Right. Did you did did and I gotta ask this because when you're talking about them, this you, you said early on, you're like, I thought this was going to go away. And even as you guys are negotiating or you're talking with these attorneys that are supposedly going to get you some deal, just from the outside, it looks, it sounds to me like a drug deal gone bad. Or, you know, these dudes had weed, you had money, you were going to pay, and the whole thing went south. More than... A murder robbery. Just going up to two guys that were minding your little business and give me your wallets and somebody ends up dead. It, it definitely, it's like a drug... Tr- it definitely changes the innocence factor of the other party that they got a pound and a half, half of weed, weed on them. That they didn't find But they didn't find it. But they've also got a shotgun. Yeah, but like... I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, man, if they would have found that pound and a half of weed, this thing might have been slightly different. I don't know how much different, but it might have been a big difference in the sense of... Like you could have parlayed it instead of well, it was an altercation because like what you're saying, Steve, it looks like, like they tried to rob us. Like from the fa- yeah, from the one perspective, without the weed, they just look like a ma, uh, you know, son and dad, pa driving a truck, and they just got accosted. And of course, he's going to bring out a shotgun because he's doing self defense too. Versus, no, there was a pound and a half of weed. There was something that you know didn't go right or whatever, and they got a shotgun. And it was a shootout, and I was defending myself. That's a little more plausible with drug dealers. Well, I mean, they already knew all this. The, 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 they did. The, the toxicology on the, on the sun, he had, they had PCP, alcohol. You know, they were out partying. Wow. They already knew. I mean, it, wasn't, it was no secret. Wow. They were out partying. They had a hooker in the car. Uh, because oh. the hooker testified oh, wow. as, to, as to some of the things. Because when, I, when, when, when they stopped, here's the thing. Like I said, Doreen, the, the hooker that identified me, yeah. the reason she saw me is because when we came out of the arcade, um, their truck, they had just pulled off, right? Yeah. And I was told that these guys were the ones that had the weed. My usual connection for, I, I don't smoke a lot of weed, but I had a girlfriend that she wanted some weed, so that's why I went down to get some weed. God damn. Right? So I go to my boy, and I'm like, hey, man, let me get a, let me get a bag. I, I, and I was going to trade him for some, with some cocaine or something or some crystal. He said, man, I'm out, but those dudes right there in the disleptor, they got a, a, a lot of good stuff, right? I'm like, really, where? And so he showed me. And so as I'm approaching the front door and they're pulling off, my crime partner's coming in. He doesn't know what's going on, mm-hmm. right? I leave out and I say, oh, man, uh, I'm going to get some weed from these guys. So as they're turning the corner, I say, hey, they turn the corner. They, I see the brake lights come on when they turn the corner. Yeah. So I'm thinking they're stopping because they heard me. As we approach, what really they stop because they want to let a hooker in on the car, right? But I don't see this because it's around the corner. Right. While, while I'm walking, they'll open up the door, let the hooker in because they're going to do some partying with this hooker. Yeah. I tell my crime, all of a sudden, in my mind, man, let me just take this dope. Right. <sighs> let me just take this dope. That's I said, the- you got your gun on you? He said, yeah, because I didn't have a gun on me. I, like I said, I was at home with my with girl. She just, I just came out to get some weed. So I said, give me your gun. <sighs> So here's my crime partner. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what's going on. Right. So in my view, I look at it like I pulled him into a 25 to life situation. Right. He ended up getting 25 to life because of me. Damn. Right. So he gives me his gun. I go around, and that's when it all happens. 
right? So it was a decision. So like in this version, what you're telling us, the decision point, like the critical decision point is the decision between you thinking like either I could trade something for this or fuck it. It's right here. I'm going to go take it. Low moral character provided with opportunity. Damn. But right? there, wasn't even, moral there wasn't even enough time for it to be premeditated. No, no, no. They don't have to see. They're saying no, that I right. robbed them. The rob was see, premeditated. I, 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 I approached them to rob them of their vehicle, which, interestingly enough, they gave me GTA. Oh, so the murder was just a byproduct of what happened. The yeah. G, see, the whole thing is, had I known, again, had I known then what I know now, it wouldn't have happened this way because I know better. You can't, you can't, what did I rob? Right. What did I... You're saying I took their truck. Okay, that's GTA. That's not, that's not a robbery. That's a GTA. It's a separate charge. Right. GTA, Grand Theft Auto. You're saying I took your truck. But they're saying, no, you tried to rob them of the weed. You tried to, it didn't matter what I was trying to rob them of. In the commission of a robbery, right. the son was shot. A felony. That's all it took. Right. So there's, the, there's no premeditation needed. It's, uh, you know, because so, the, the, the intention premeditation was for the felony that they were about to commit, not right. the actual brutal. So had I, had I attacked, had I had an attorney that was on my side, we would have attacked the robbery. I didn't rob them. I mean, yeah, I did. I took their truck. That's a GTA. That's a, that's a charge you have already. Right. Right? Yeah. So, but anyway, aside from all that, it, the, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I saw an opportunity. I made a, a decision a very bad decision and uh, a fast decision a very fast and very very consequential decision yeah imagine like that's the, like a, a few second decision and then it has this impact that takes a long time well that's usually how it happens in my opinion and yeah. from the things and it's an educated opinion based upon uh, research and stuff that I've read sure. on criminality sure is that the first time that a person commits a crime particularly a violent crime like that is a spur of the moment thing it's not planned out because if for you to plan out a violent crime means you're already a criminal thinking person. You've already done things. You don't just wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to go rob a bank. You know, it starts out with you, you know, you steal a little something here and there, and you already have conditioned yourself to taking things and, and robbing. You got you to crawl before right, you can walk. Right. Eventually, you work your way up to bigger things. Right. So a person doesn't just wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to kill somebody today. You know, what happens is you wake up and you start hanging out with people and, and they're doing things. Next thing you get a weapon, you know, and you're fascinated by the weapon. My 18th birthday, my crime partner, you know what he gave me for my 18th birthday? Uh. Yeah, 357 Magnum. Damn. That was my present from him. Which, I mean, like, by itself, it's a beautiful piece of uh, equipment. Be it was a Ruger. It was a beautiful piece yeah. of equipment, right? Yeah. But... The thing is, is that I thought that was the best thing in the world because I was already fascinated by it. So you start teaming that up with um, living out in a, in a life where there's no rules. Right. You know, you have no direction. Right. You know, so you're pretty much following directions of other people. Right. You know, I like to have thought of myself as my own man. You know, I do what I want to do. No, no, no. I'm really doing what other people are 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 leading me to do right they might not be telling me do this do that that's different you right. kind of like buck from that but when you start following what people do their be, actions your actions you're you're a follower right and i was a follower right i wasn't leading anything right right um so you start to condition yourself and the next thing you know it happens spur of the moment right yeah you make a decision and that decision is based upon 
other things that have happened in the past. Look, we're the sum total, all of us in this room, we are the sum total of our experiences sure. to date. Sure. If I change your experience, experientially, if I change things, eventually you're going to become a different person. Right. You're going to start, not physically, but you're going to start thinking differently. You're going to start reacting and acting differently based upon what you think. So what was the experience then based on all that? So you got what you just said, right? You went through all this whole thing, da-da-da, 18, your experience. What, when they told you what you were sentenced to, what was your experience with it? How did you feel when they told you, oh, this is how long you're going to get? You know... Again, like I say, I'd like to say that it, you know the room got dark. And, yeah, you know I got dizzy. No, it, it's surreal. You, it's hard to to sit back and and quantify. You know how you feel when you hear bad news like that. You know, it's sort of like telling a person, you know, you know, you're gonna die in six months. You know, what is it? You know, really. You, Part of you can't believe it. You don't believe it. You know, you go through those stages of denial, right? Did you go right? through stages? Of course. You know, can I can I quantify them or qualify them and tell you this is when that happened? Yeah. And then, no, I can't. But I do know that I went through these stages. You have to because it didn't, when they said you're going to do 25 to life. Now, mind you, my experience with, with uh, repercussions for my actions from the past have been minimal. You know, get in trouble, they call your parents. Right. You know, something happens, you get away with it. You know, no big deal. You know, it's so in this case, what's different? Why wouldn't I just get away with this? Why wouldn't this just, okay, I get a slap on the wrist and I'm out of here? Right. This is a whole nother ball game, right? Right. And so now you, I'm put in a situation and I'm put in an environment where, whoa, okay, now I can't afford to sit back and 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 worry about that. I have to now focus on survival in this environment that I'm in now. A totally right. a totally foreign environment than I've ever been in. This is the county jail. And this is a situation where bad things can happen. Right. Right? And if you clicked up with the wrong people or if you're not clicked up with the wrong, wrong people, whatever. Right. If, if things don't go, if you're not careful in navigating this, then you're going to have more problems. Right? Um, and that's just the county jail. Um, once you get into prison, now the politics really kick in. Right. Right. And it's a, it's a different game. It's a whole different game in, in once you become a state, once you go to prison. Right. Um, and you don't have time to sit back and do your wondering and should I and could I. And no, no, you have to figure out how you're going to n navigate in this, this environment. So they, they put you on the bus and where did they send you? I went to Folsom. <clears throat> Now Folsom, that hey, was at old Folsom. Uh, I was actually, I was actually, I have my ID, yeah, old Folsom. I have my ID. They hadn't built new Folsom yet. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I have an ID card that was uh, no. It was um, August sixteenth, uh, nineteen eighty-five. Okay. Was when I rolled into um, Folsom. And I mean, it's got. I'm, that. I'm, about, that I'm about nineteen, almost twenty. Hey, I hear what are you doing, Steve? You What's doing E number? Prison math? D, D, D number. D, D, D number. Six, D one okay. two six three four. Yeah, it's prison math. Yeah, D number. <laughs> Steve was doing prison math. Yeah, okay. So you roll up with a D number at D 18, number. and you're going to Folsom, which at that point in time, they had a four-yard up there. At that it time, was, there, that was all there was. There was, there was in fact, yeah. at that time, Three with a four. capital, with a, with a murder, you, there's a point system. 
Right. Right. So anything 53 points and above or something like that, I think at the time, was uh, four, level four. And when your points drop down, you can go to level three, level mm. two, and level how, one. How many points did you have? I had I had a six hundred. I had a hundred, <laughs> no. hundred and some points. Six hundred, he'd be dead. Because when you when you go to when you go to the reception center, once you get found guilty in the court and they put you on the bus, the first thing you do is you go to a reception center. Correct. Right. Yep. So you went to the reception center, and the reception center is when you talk to counselors, and then they mm-hmm. want to try to figure out how you where they're going to place you and uh-huh. how you feel and get a psychic valuation and all that. It's a big staging area. That was yeah. Ch- Chino, right? Yeah, Chino. And then um, again, so you're still yeah. not real. <laughs> Sorry. You stop it, man. Stop Sorry. that eating. Yeah. Sorry. At least it's not, we're not hearing anything coming to the other end, right? <laughs> uh, no, that's, a, that, that's about 45 minutes from now. Oh, yes, okay. yes, yes. So then they tell you, okay, with this offense, you know, you start off with 99 points. Right. And then have you been in the military? No, that's two more points. And right, then, right. You know, did you, get, <laughs> you have a high school get, diploma. That's, that's another two that's points, right. points. You know, so the points add up. Next thing you know, you've got 130 some odd points right. or whatever. Okay, so anything over 53 points is level four. So there's there's no there's no other place at the time in 1985. Yeah. There are no other places you can go with those points except for San Quentin and Folsom. And, Folsom. and both right. of That's those it. are like the most notorious prisons in California. In California, in yes. California yes. right? Yes. yes. They got are, fucking songs about them. Oh, yeah. Those all are that the spots right there. Those are the spots. Now they're not not so much. Right, but when okay. you went. But back then it was. And you're like 1920 going yeah, to a full grown man's prison. Going yes, going he's going into the he's going into the zone, bro. Right. Okay. Right. Where it's all going on, and kind of in those times, there was still a lot of warring over territories. There was a lot going on. Oh, in those when I rolled up in the Folsom, it was already on lock. You know, they stayed on lockdown uh, like what, six ten months, months out of the six year. months mm-hmm. here, and then they come off for a day yeah, and back right, on again. Blow, right. Um, so when I roll up, it's already it's on lockdown because there's a, there's a war going on. Yeah. You know? And it happened to be between. I mean, it, you have the you, you know you are a, a soldier in the war based not upon any particular clothes you're wearing, but the skin color. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm wearing the uniform already. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing the black uniform. Right. Right. And it might be a little on the light side. Yeah. Yeah. I have That's what no saying. idea. High yellow. He's high yellow. He's a red bone. He's a red bone. They call that a red bone. Yeah, so I had to get with the caramel, you know, right. the, right. car- the caramel. But you could have you messed with the lines. You could have claimed that, yeah. you know, Puerto Rican. Yeah, Cuban. no, 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 no. Other, That's one other. thing. That's one thing you can't do. Yep. You know, yep. you, you see, you can't, you have to be. You know, like in any place in the in in United States, you know, if you have some black, if you're black blood, you're black. Right. right. You know, you can't. Oh, I'm, I'm. I got white blood in me too. Right. But I can't hang with the whites. That don't count. No, we, I couldn't. We don't, Brian and oh, no. I. We don't Brian allow I, that. We can't allow that. Right. Right. Of course not. Of course not. And fortunately, I mean, whether fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, yeah. blacks in prison, as anywhere else, um, are a lot more open to to acceptance of other other culture, other people. Because they know. You know, they, they accept. And I, I don't know if it's a conscious thing, but they just don't trip as much. The, 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 um, the politics between blacks and is way different than it is with, with whites and really Hispanics. Hispanic. It's a totally different, different type of thing. Um, and we can get into that a little wait later. Wait a second, wait a second. So you're saying, if I understand right, you're saying that in the African-American, in the black situation, it's a little more like homo... There's not as many little, many divisions inside the group, is what you're saying? Or is that what you're saying? Right. There's, 
there are divisions as far as your colors, you know, as far as your crips, bloods. Right, right. Um, and then within them, there's different colors as well. You got, you know, shamrock. You got these different groups depending on where you lived. Right. Right. But ultimately, when it comes down to a race conflict. Right. Everybody, well, no matter what. We're all black. black. We're all black. We're all right? black. And, and we, we are trying to protect ourselves because... If if the Hispanics, if the Serenios, or if we have beef with them, if that's a problem, they're not going to pick out somebody. Oh, let's just go after the Bloods, or let's just go after the Crips, or let's. Just, they're not doing that. Right. Whatever, whoever's black, you have the uniform. Got it. Right. And and vice versa. Right. We're not concerned with you know any other thing other than you know and basically, from my experience. Um, we were not usually the ones that were trying to be aggress be aggressive on the issue. Right. We're trying to look for ways to. I mean, you have knuckleheads in every group. You know what they call what they call torpedoes. You know, you, <laughs> yeah, we have torpedoes in every group. You know, knuckleheads, youngsters, and all they want to do is try to make their make their make a name, make their name for themselves. But for the most part, um, being being of African American, I like to say to say black. We're always yeah. changing around African American, yeah. this or that. Being black in prison is different than being Caucasian in prison. Much different. Or being Hispanic in prison. Much different. And we don't use that word Caucasian, by the way. So you don't, What no, do you guys struck, use? We use white boys. White boys. White yeah. boys. Because yeah. what, uh, the Peckerwood also, we accept that, even that's derogatory. It, you like it. From. Well, it's, we, it's, we're called Peckerwoods, and we use the same terminology ourselves, but we're white boys. That's how a lot and, of Indians and are. And Caucasian, with... we, we use that as a derogatory term. Like, if a white boy comes in, he's something wrong, he's a piece of shit, he's done mm -hmm. something fucked up. He's a Caucasian. He's a Caucasian, and right. he's dealt with accordingly. So it, it's it's really strange. In prison, it's really strange, the politics. That's like he says, all whites are under the same umbrella. You don't, you, you're involuntarily drafted whether you like it or not. Either you get with the program or you get got. It's that simple. Right. So you get it. So you roll up. There's a war going on. They're on lockdown. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily gang affiliated. Not not at all. Not even necessarily. I am not. You're not gang affiliated. Yeah. I, could, I I mean, I could tell that by looking at you, talking to you. But I, I'm just making it clear for the listeners that you weren't some gangbanger. So you're not affiliated because that affiliation usually would lead you right into, you know, uh, where you're going. So why do you? What? How do you? You know what? I'd, I'd like to say it was just, a, you know, I just knew better. Uh, it, it, I didn't fit in with groups. I didn't. Okay, here's the groups that you have, at least back then. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. You got your gang members, right? Various gang members. You got your legal beagle dudes. You know, that's, 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 this is the legal crew. They, they spend all their time in the law library. And studying. The, you know, studying. And these are the, this, is the, this is them. And they, they, they're hooked up with the clerks and people like that. You know? Right. People that are off to the side because they're really not going to lick a stamp to mail an envelope. They're not going to do anything. <laughs> right. That's a good they're one. They're not going to lick a stamp <laughs> to mail an envelope. That's they're right. Not gonna, and you know. Not going to bust a grade. You know, so why even, try to, why even try to get them involved in something that at the very least, if they did something, they're going to tell, tell on you. Tell on you. Right. 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 So then you've got the the perv, the perverts, you know, right. all they do is collect freak books. That's all they do. And they hook up on the yard and they trade off. And, you know, then you've got your religious groups. Right. Right. So you've got your Christians, of course. Right. And of course, the biggie, you have Muslims. Right. Right. Now, I would like to say, you know, people may think, oh, you join Islam. It's another gang. It's really not. 
it started out maybe in that particular vein. Right. Um, as far as being, um, you know, because of the, the, the whole history of, of, of uh, uh, the Nation of Islam. You mean the Nation of Islam? Yeah, the Nation of Islam was a black nationalist movement. Right, exactly. Right? They, they, yeah. weren't, they weren't practicing not, Islam. They it's were, not Islam. No, no. Right, I know. But, Malcolm, but X, were the one. Malcolm X discovered that. Well, he wasn't the. He was just the most no, notorious. He, he's the one that people focused on. But there was a lot of people that that realized the difference between the sure. two. Sure, but right? when he went to Mecca and he, he went to Mecca, right? Right, and exactly. then he realized that this Islam is it's not, not the same. What you're teaching is not exactly okay. But for what Elijah Muhammad was teaching, it was necessary. You can't talk peace to people who are being beat down and and, and being right. Sick. There's white nationalists. Right. Why can't we got a some we got a yeah. assert okay, ourselves? Okay, okay, okay. So so, anyway, <laughs> so now I ended up joining. I ended up joining <laughs> the. Get, becoming a Muslim, but I didn't become a Muslim for for those reasons. I became a Muslim because of the things that I was hearing and how it made sense. I used to argue with a friend of mine named Shamari uh, about Islam, and at the time I was, I mean, all this old praying that's for weak dudes, and you know, I'm trying to all that praying five times a day and all this and that. I always find reasons to shoot at him, you know. Right. But eventually, I started going to the Juma services and I started uh, participating in Ramadan, and. It, I was in the cell with a Muslim, right? So it started to make sense, right? It was something that made sense to me, and I'm I'm a thinker, you know. At least I like to I like to think I am, you know. I'm a thinker, and so if something made sense, and I started following that. Now, Muslims, we're black, so if there's a problem, if there's a beef, a racial beef, you're a part of it too, right? right? The, but Muslims wasn't like a Christian that's going to stand out under the side and yeah. not participate. Oh no, no, let's no. make clear. Like a, like Muslims are black; they might be doing their thing, but if something's going to go down, oh yeah, the Muslims are going to be involved with the other blacks. They're, they're not stand for their they're, people. They're not pacifists. They're going to roll with yeah, their people, correct? Roll. Really, they yeah. are going to roll. Um, but in the same vein, they're also the gang members. Yeah. Are not are, they 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 stay separate, right? You know, because some of them, some of their actual members become Muslims, right? So basically, you have this crip or this blood who became a Muslim, and they're like on the fence because they look at it as just another gang, right? Right? They're tired of the politics of this gang, so they come over to this one, yeah. and so they straddle the fence. Right. So as an and, and I was an emir of a yard for a number of years. An emir, an emir. That was the leader of the Muslim, the Muslim uh, uh, ummah. Right? right. So you had maybe seventy five. I had people maybe seventy five guys that that were Muslims. Yeah. But you had those guys that okay, we're gonna go. We want to talk. We're gonna negotiate with some people about something. Okay, we don't take this these people. We we take some other guys. But if there's a situation where we're not trying to talk, well then you know, I, I got to bring in. Right. You know, I got to bring in these guys, Abdullah Saif, you know, I got to bring in these guys because they don't reason. They're still caught up in the blood or the crit mentality. Right. 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 Only they're trying to get out of it. Right. But. But they're poised but to they're do the red, things. They just love it. So you know? send the player to do the, the play that needs to be played. Right. So this is, so being a Muslim it, 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 it allowed me the freedom of being me and not being run because we're not, I'm not run by anyone. There's no one that can call shots on me. And this is one of the major differences in my experience between blacks in prison and whites in prison and Hispanics in prison is that blacks do not have some centralized um, uh, leadership where this one individual is calling shots on everybody. They don't have that, which is one of the reasons why 
you can have, and you can, you, he can testify, you can testify to this, you can have a peaceful yard for months and months, maybe even years, yard, everybody's cool. Let one individual from another prison that's rocking and rolling, they're on lockdown, they're having beef all the time. His mentality is way different. He comes and transfers to that prison. Within several months, he himself, particularly if he's Hispanic, mm -hmm. he himself is going to cause a problem because he's going to assert his authority over the, over the Hispanics and cause them to start doing things and, and acting in ways that, hey man, instead of just saying we were peaceful here, no, it, the word came down from such and such, we cannot function with, I might've been playing handball with some Hispanics mm -hmm. because that's usually people to handball. Right. I'm playing handball with these guys. All of a sudden, they can't play with me anymore. Why don't, why don't blacks have a shot caller? We're too, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good question. Um, I just think that we're too um, individualistic. Uh, we're too, I mean, from years of uh, I'm the man, I'm not going to listen to nobody. And I don't know, you know, there's, I, there's, there's, there's probably a good. I, I think I, a part of what I, my experience, I think what it is, when you, like you say, you have Crips and Bloods. Right. First of all, no, no blood is going to call a shot or a Crip or vice versa. It just doesn't work that way. So you have different factions from the streets. Right. Not only are they from different neighborhoods, they, every neighborhood in, in uh, I, I see as far as blacks, they're, they're, if they're Crips, they're different streets of Crips. Right. You know, there's, you know, maybe the Rolling 60s or there'd be Grape Street. Uh, there's so many of them, it's ridiculous. Right. And then you have the same way with blood. So, and they're just not going to be a shot caller that's going to call shots over everybody. You know, what's interesting is that uh, if people could see what's going on right here, Brian Stevens is white as snow, explaining <laughs> why black people don't have shot callers. And then right next to him was Joseph, who's black, who's nodding and, and tapping his head and saying, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. They're too individualistic. They're too, they're too spread out. They're too diverse. Yeah, well, I spent 35 years around it, so I was able to see what was going on. And, and me that. being white, I, I, I learned very quickly that we're under the same umbrella. You're, you know that immediately. Because when you walk into a yard, people, you better have your paperwork or at least... You, you have a certain amount of time to get, now they have what's called a 128. I didn't have that when I was doing time. Yeah. Uh, now it's, you better have that with you and it tells you, me, they look right down to see what your charges are, to see any kind of uh, uh, thing, it's may say you may be a sex offender, you may have told on somebody, it's gonna come out right there. Right. And then your hours are numbered immediately right then. But why do white why do white boys have shot callers then? How come I mean Well we don't. We have a shot caller. Yeah. And then we have a shot then we have people that'll run each block. But why is that? I mean, like maybe maybe Joseph can explain the white thing. <laughs> why, why is that? Why why do the white boys have a shot caller? And well, why do you guys it's have that's just it? the way it's set up. I mean is there I, only, I because it's shut up. Is there only one up. one crew for the the whites? Yeah, there's only we are, like I said, we're in the same umbrella. You might have now you have different neighborhoods like yeah. Orange County and, and uh, uh San Fernando Valley. Right. And they and they all run together with each other, but the bottom line is they listen to one person. That's crazy. That's, you, yeah, you, because you come because it doesn't matter the street neighborhoods, yeah, you might hang out together because that's who you know or that's the area you come from. Yeah. But at the end of it, when you're in prison, it's about, like you said, your skin color. Yeah. So there is no more. The streets, your neighborhood and those streets don't matter. You're all about one cause. It's either brown, black, or white. And the, the, there, and well, with the exception of the blacks, yeah. the, 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 the Mexicans and the whites, 
they're run like military. There's okay. a military, so there's right. a general, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everything's run like that, like, like Cosa Nostra. You have a boss, you have an underboss. So everything's structured. That's where they get their whole concept from. Right. It's from a military, you know? it's. But, I, you know, but, but it's interesting what you're saying, though, because, you know, in talking with you, Steve, and some of the, and the folks, there are a lot of individual differences on the outside in the street. Like, when you're talking the street, you can get two people that are even from the same neighborhood, different cliques, get all fucked Absolutely. up. Absolutely. All right. Yet, when you step inside the stony lonesome, all of a sudden, there's one shot calling, all that shit's forgotten, except for black people. Black people are like, nah, man, I'm my own man, and I'll do whatever, and that's interesting to me. What's, well, you would also, difference? I can what's tell you difference? right now that there's, uh, I'm going to tell you right now that there would also be a very... There's a negative spin on that. People would also have a negative spin for the blacks not having shot collars. Which is? They would also say that's why those dudes are unorganized. They can't get shit together because they can't organize. And right. they look at it as a weakness. And we used to look and, at it like this because they allow, I mean, not, not in particular, they allow certain groups will allow, they don't give a fuck what kind of crime you have. And we don't do that. Right. You, you have a certain, if you have any kind of, there are certain crimes you can't have in prison where some, some parts of black folks, they don't give a shit who, who, what the kind of crime they have. Right. Which is bizarre to me. Right. Because I, I lived under the Elbrella. If you're a sex offender, if you you dealt with, I mean, I'm sure with children, they don't mean that. Nobody, nobody, nobody likes accepts that. Nobody that. likes pedophiles. Nobody. So, but when it comes to you know women and children, older, we we don't accept that at all. Right. You know, just it's not accepted. Right. And, and you're dealt with accordingly, or or somebody's told on somebody. If you they don't give a fuck if you, if I don't know who you told on, and you're in my cell, I have to deal with you. Well, I get dealt with. So it's a situation where you're forced into something. You may not want to do it at all, but you have no choice. So it's, it's survival. There, there, there's, there's definitely d different reasons and different stuff to it, but I will say that, yeah, man, it's uh, um, the 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 issues from the streets are really forgotten about in more ways than one, and with more groups than one, because you're all about one common cause. And and I'll tell and I'll tell you what's I'll tell you what's really crazy, dude, is that the the dichotomy of it, and I'm going to speak from my own experience from being from Los Angeles, being a gang member. Yeah. What I watched over and over, especially spending time on four yards, was we'll just take, we'll just say, take for instance, my neighborhood. You might have enemies from Culver City or Venice or Sotel, right? And you'd be from my neighborhood, you know, these enemies. And you're committing crimes. Maybe you're gunning. You're killing your enemy, right? Yeah. As soon as you get upstate... The first per who you're going to be selled up with, the guys you're going to roll with are going to be your enemies. The guys you were fighting with and you you caught this life sentence killing one of these dudes, he's going to be the guy that's your selling because he's from your area. Right. You get what I'm saying? That's going to be the guy that you make sure has soap, soups, you take care of, you're going to roll with, you borrow CDs, right? That's You're now... And you don't have any say-so. There ain't no, you ain't carrying that shit from the street. Your enemies that got you there for committing the murder to get there, now you're going to be friends with them. And, and that's, that's the, one of the main reasons why I just did not understand gang mentality. Because you have to interact and be close with people. I don't even like you, man. And I see it all the time. You know, you, you, have, a, you have a certain amount of, of infighting that goes on all the time. Right. Because when there's times of peace and there's really nothing going on now, what do you do? You're going to focus on the differences between yourselves. Yeah. We, we're key to focus on differences, you know, yeah. and the differences we're trained to focus yeah, on certain we're, differences. We're, it, exactly. So and those differences are always my viewing your differences as inferior 
I'm viewing your. I'm never going to say you're better. Uh, you know, your difference make you. But no, your differences make you. I uh, mean, I don't like you because of this. It's interesting you say that, and you want to know something, and I'm sure that you guys can uh, relate to this too. Is if you're uh, different races, right? If you're up in northern or the further up north in Northern California, there's a different war going on, maybe. And as these groups come down south and they're no longer concerned with that war, now they're fighting amongst each other because there's no major enemy up there. Exactly. Do you get what I'm saying? Exactly. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, you, you're in an environment that is negative. You're in an environment that is very, um, you have to show aggression. You can't show any signs of weakness. And so when there's no avenue to, to let that out, well, now I'm going to find reasons between us. Yeah, right, there's no adversary now. Yeah, but, so, so now it's all, me and you are going to yeah. find our differences yeah, and we're going to yeah, fight. But, that, but, but see, the thing about that is, is like, I think a lot of people, no, I think a lot of people come from families that are like that. Like, like you, there's a lot of people that come from families where they just can't just chill. There's got to be a problem. Somebody's got to be fighting with somebody. There's got to be an issue. In fact, I know a lot of people that come into like recovery and stuff, and when stuff gets peaceful, they can't sit with that. They're like, there's got to be a fucking problem. So I think you put people that may be in situations where they're committing crimes where they're going to get caught, and then they go in. They're already coming from cultures where it's like, we ain't trying to just get along. Yeah. Right. Well, we all saw those guys on the yard that were deep in the politics. That's how they live. They didn't even know a different way to live. Right. They got to be in the heat of it. Those are the guys who are getting stabbed. And, sh- yeah. and it's like, but they didn't know any other way to live but constantly being shit. That's it. It's, right? al- it's almost what constantly. fuels them. Like, that's what it they're is, living. bro. They didn't know how to live a different way. It's crazy because you would think like all those conflicts, if you try to pull that guy aside and be like, listen, yeah, sometimes you got to get in the fight. But the point is the fight's going to be over. Something's going to be decided, but there's a certain element of a person, there's certain people who they're just living for the fight. If that fight gets over, they're moving on to another one because it's about the process of the fight. It ain't even about how it's resolved. I mean, it it all comes down to, you know, different mentalities. Again, the umbrella of all this is you're in an environment of negativity. Right. No one in here is in here for passing out cookies. Right. Okay. No one in here for being the the you know unless the they were flyer. laced with unless they were laced with poison. Right. right. So everyone in prison, let me not say that I don't like blanket statements. The majority of people in prison right. are there because they cannot follow structural societal rules. Right. And right. the rest of them, let's let's make a blanket statement. Majority, they can't follow the rules of the structural society. The rest of them are there because the structural society fucking rolled on them. Either way, yeah, it's negative. It's negative. So now you got, you got negativity in there. Right. No one's in there happy and positive. Right. Now, I'm a firm believer. Look, I, I have on the back of my license plate, I have choose how you feel about each day. Yes. Right. So I choose how, when I get up in the morning... I make a conscious choice of how I f- I'm going to feel about that day. Right. Sure. Because if I don't choose, then that means you choosing or right, something right, else is right, choosing. Someone else right, got right. the power. No, I'm not going to do that. Now, now, bad things might happen throughout a day, but I don't have bad days. Uh, right. You know, life so, shows up. Some, life life, life shows up, and damn, you know, I stubbed my toe, you know, whatever. Uh, found out my girlfriend's cheating, whatever. Right. Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to, oh, my God, you know, everything's going bad. Right. Um, but you, you do have people that, when they get up in the morning, they don't make that decision. Mm-hmm. No, they allow, it's made for, they, they allow something else to make it allow, for them. Right. And in prison, 
the majority of people yeah. are of the latter. Right. They, when they get up in the morning, they're allowing the environment to determine who they are and how they should react to anything. Right. And if you don't act this way, or if you don't respond in this particular manner, then there's something wrong. There's going to be a problem. Right. You know, you're always concerned about what everyone's, how you're being viewed. Right. Right. And rather than say, you know what, I'd rather be viewed as a person of integrity. I'd rather be viewed as a person who's honest, a person who is upright. Rather than that, no, 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 no. No, I'm not in that environment. I'm in an environment where you have to be, if you see, they all say it, if you see a fool bump his head, you know. Yeah. You, you know, have if to you be see, ignorant. Any, anytime you see something, opportunity, you know, get it. Right. You know, person, ex, with the exceptions of like a thief. Right. You know, you leave your locker open or whatever, somebody, that, you're in trouble now. You, if you're a thief in prison, you're going to get hurt, yeah. right? That's interesting. Um, yeah. So even it's, it's it's interesting because even in the underworld, so to speak, right, right there are rules. Yeah. Of course. You, you didn't want to follow rules of society. So you go into, an, into a, an environment where now there's still rules. There's rules everywhere, right? Right. And even in, even in this dark society where people are always taking advantage of each other in some kind of way, there are still rules that you cannot cross. Right. And if you do, so my question, I guess, philosophically is, is that, you know, what rules do you want to follow? Or do you even feel that you should follow any rules at all? Because either way, if you feel that you shouldn't follow any rules, then your, your life is going to be um, difficult, right? And if you choose to follow the wrong type of rules, then once again, you know, your life is going to be not only difficult, but it's also going to be um, controlled for you. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be having some rules put, put on you yes. that you're going to have no say so over. Exactly. Yeah, but like these are very excellent points. And the thing that I, f I think about regularly is this, you know, number one, I think that's interesting that you point out, Joseph. I don't know that you can actually, in real life, in this world, I don't know if you cannot live by a rule, even if it's just your own rule. Like, even if you say, I'm not going to live by this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, as soon as you say, I'm not going to live by a rule, that's a rule. That's a rule right there. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting what you're saying because it's like, why are you, you, you're bucking this one to go into another one to go into another one. Now you're saying like, well, okay, great. But now you're going to make a conscious decision to choose the rules. Now, that's very important, too. And I think in, this, is, this is where I really feel. I think it's also super important to be sensitive to the concept that what you think is a right or wrong rule might not always be clear to you. Like to have a healthy skepticism. Because in Nazi Germany, the whole country was going away a certain way. It was certain rules. Right. And you got to ask yourself in your heart of hearts, like, am I smart enough? Am I man enough, woman enough, whatever enough to have been in that scenario where everyone around me is like, yeah, this is the way we're going. Mm -hmm. And this is the right way. And look at the economy is getting better. Like people are taking this more seriously now and all this other stuff. Would you have the honor and dignity and ability inside to be like On the moral compass, even though that's accepted? Mm -hmm. I'm not buying into that rule. Well, either it isn't right with you in your heart or it is. But I'm just saying, do you, would you even be able to recognize it? Think about how <laughs> I many... I would think so. No, <laughs> I would I don't, think I, so. I, obviously not. 
So if you go somewhere and everybody's fucking torturing kitty cats and they're all around you torturing kitty cats and they're like, dude, our pockets are getting fatter. Everything's looking good. All we do is cut these little kitty cats heads off. Isn't somewhere in your heart, heart in your side, you're going to be like, but that ain't cool, man. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. That ain't, ain't cool. cool. That's that what I'm cool. saying. No, but there's two things that you're not putting into the pot. What? Number one is it's your mom and dad that are involved in killing the kitty cats and you were raised in that environment. So you, 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 it's your blood that's like, yeah, this is the way we're rolling. And I want you to think about what you just said. How many things does America, right, including the prison system, where people are like, yeah, that's fine, or... I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm not going to bug the system. I'm not going to be the one standing out there. Think about all of the animals, oil, countries. Um, think about all of the drug testing that we've done on other people in other countries. Think about all that stuff that we know. Think about how much we know our industry does. Think about how much we know and we already agree with. I'm saying to you, it's not that easy. It's easy if it's killing kids. We could be like, oh, well, that's obvious. Anybody knows that. But you start getting these other points where you're like, you know, yeah, the Chinese people are trying to kill themselves after they make our cell phones, but I can't live without a cell phone. Oh, I know it's polluting the world, but I don't totally... I like my technology. It's not, it's not our world. Right. That's what I'm saying. So my point is, it's exactly... So I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I'm saying the first step to being able to make choices like you're saying, Steve, is to have a healthy respect that you might... You might be believing and accepting some dumb shit and not really be aware of it yet. And if you can't get your head around that, then, you, then, then you're fucked, I think. So let me ask you something. You were on the yard, a four-yard, and just so people understand, a level four-yard, you're on the four-yard. I think you have to make a good point. If you want. <laughs> you're on the level four-yard. What was your point? And just so that you're, you're on there, people know, so our listeners know, on a four-yard, there's mainly... There's people that have a lot of time to do. And most of those people that are doing a lot of time, mostly murders, right? Uh, uh, yes. A good, a good a, portion. A good portion of them, yes. So you're, and and I'm trying to get it so that our listeners can understand. When you say that you went to a level four yard with exceeding 100 points, you went to a yard where you were primarily living with mainly other people who committed murders, correct? Right. Well, like I said, when you go, there's certain crimes that you commit that give you that that many points. I mean, it's mm -hmm. 53 and above. Right. I can't do a, uh, a robbery mm -hmm. and get 53 points. That's right. I have to have done a, 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 a robbery with a weapon and hit him in the head, mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. even shot him. Right. You know, I'd maybe not to kill him, but it was a violent crime, and that gets you the points. So everyone now that are in this level, at that time, everyone on this yard is, is here for either killing someone, attempting to kill someone, kidnapping someone, uh, um, right. something heinous, yeah. right? right? So that's why they're here. Some people have multiple murders, you know? Exactly. Right? Some people are on this yard, on, and the only reason they're not on death row is because there was a uh, lack of certain evidence otherwise, but they are fighting life without. Right, right, right. right. So they've got an LWAP. Ready to go right. So they can't right. go below level, they get life without, they can't go below level four yard, right? Back then, has it no, changed? Back then, I think now it's changed. I think they're allowing um, LWAPs. They're going LWAPs to go to three yards. Yeah. Um, LWAP life without right. possibility of parole. Right, without possibility. Um, so they're allowing those individuals now because they see 
And again, we can also talk about that as well because now the whole prison structure has changed. Completely. It is totally different. It's completely different now. So how long did you, how long were you on a four-yard and how long did you have to go through that before your points started dropping and you started seeing like a nighttime three-yard and and things like that? Um, It was, I did about 10 years, um, about 10 years on a level four. On a level four yard. About 10 years before my points were down because, and, a, and not necessarily because if, you, if you're on a yard, the way the points drop down is, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're doing good, what they call, mm-hmm. you know, modeling, mate, whatever. Right. If you're doing good, you're not getting any problem, you're not getting any write-ups, what they call right. 115s. If you're not getting any of those, your points will go down every year right. by, I think it was eight points at the time or something mm-hmm. like that. So every year your points go down. So you can imagine that at the end of five or six years, you, you've dropped down 45, 50, 60 points or whatever, right? right? right. Um, of course, that's never the case. Well, mm-hmm. that's very rarely the case right. that you can be on the yard and not get a writer. Right. So your points go back up. What happened was is they did a restructuring of the point system at some point. I forget exactly what year it was. And they it was, shaved uh, up. 83, I think. 83? Yeah. Yeah, they did some. They did. No, it had to be after that because I, was, I, I had had my points. I was already in, in Folsom. And then I'd went to Tehachapi A Yard when it happened in, in Tehachapi A Yard. Oh, I see what you're saying. I got I, I got a level. I was talking about that override. I got a level oh, three no, no, override. Oh no, 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 no. This they was were a, doing the, those too. Yeah, this was just the point system. They knocked the point off. So they, three, it was four. Everyone, so they yeah, shaved yeah, them they, down. Yeah, three. they shaved right. them. They shaved about fifty points off of off yeah. of everybody. Yeah. Right. They just restructured the way they did the points. Right. Um, because I had gotten write-ups. That was the nineties, I think. You know, and. It's it's almost impossible uh, for a person to go on to a level four in that environment and not get a write up for something, you know. It's uh, impossible. Yeah, it, you have to be. I mean, I've, there's there's cases. The people, yeah, people, people that have, and, have yeah. gotten no write ups whatsoever. But I think they started out in level threes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't think they started in level four back then. Back then, no. Now it's possible. But. Um, yeah, so you spent about ten years on a level four yard about before 10 you start saying, and just so uh, just so people understand, you know, on a level four yard, most level four yards, you have a morning. Yeah, there's a morning time where you maybe get some yard time in the morning, and you might even get some yard possibly a little bit in the early afternoon, and then that's it. Program's over. There's How no long? such thing as nighttime yard. You don't see nighttime anymore. How no, long are those, your window? How yeah. long are those periods? Like, like if you go out for the morning, how long do they give you to be out there doing your thing? They give you a, a, an hour or two hour unlock. Uh, I mean, uh, a shot, and then they would unlock what? Well, he means how long will you be able, uh, out on the yard right. in the morning? Like, how long do they give? So, you? from about eight, the yard opens up at eight o'clock. Yeah, and it closes for lunch. Right. Okay. And then back then, uh, closes for lunch, and then they let you back out again at like one. To four, no three three thirty. Right, three thirty. Three three thirty, yard recall, right, and everyone's going in, and that's it. And the only way you're going to see the outside at night is if you have to go on. A, you're on a ducket. You have to go. You're being called to the infirmary, or you have to do something, right. or you have a. Uh, some people have a night a job, maybe in the kitchen where they're cleaning up, and it, it's you know they're coming. But for the most part, no, you are in your cell, um, or at least in the unit. Uh, at night and how big is the yard really a couple football fields maybe it it depends on the on the institution right some institutions uh say for instance Folsom very small yard right right it's amazingly small for the fact that uh for the amount of people that that yard holds um but if you go to areas like uh Lancaster yeah huge 
it's at least three of the yards, three of Folsom yards. So right? you said you went to Folsom. How long were you at Folsom? I was at Folsom for, I left and went to open up to Hatchapi. I was there for about two years, year and a half, two years, something like that. Now, I got to think for a young man who, you know, wasn't gang affiliated, right? right? Not, I mean, hard, but not that hard. And then you go to Folsom after everything we just talked about. I got to believe that that's kind of an intimidating first week, two week experience when you first are starting to learn the lay of the land. Who showed you and what were the experiences that you went through like entering Folsom for the first time? With 36, with 36 years to do. I don't even know if he can. I don't He was saying he wasn't even able to necessarily process all that because he was trying to day to day figure out. It was uh, it's one of those things. Fortunately, when I went in there, it was uh, it was on lockdown. Okay. So I'm in the cell. You know, you're in the cell, period. And you come out to shower, and that's controlled, you know, and you have two gunners, two gun rails. So when you decide you, when it's time to let you out for a shower, you, the gunners will be there. They walk, watch everybody go down, get in the shower. You got five minutes, take your shower, go back up to the cell. Um, you go to, if, if, you, if they let you go, because usually it's sack lunches, they bring sack lunches. So right. for, for all, most of the time, they're your sack lunch. They might let you go to the, to the, to the uh, chow hall, to the dining hall. And interestingly enough, the first time, like I'm there for about, I'm there for about two weeks just eating sack lunches. You bring a sack lunch in the morning and a sack lunch in the, in the afternoon. What's in night. the sack lunch? Oh, my God. Um, it's, it's, you got, of course, you got a piece of fruit, maybe apple. You got some stuff that was... Like he said, mystery meat. It looked like, literally, it looked like vomit. <laughs> like somebody had eaten something and then uh, puked it back up into the, onto the piece of bread. Uh, and then they put, it was terrible. I didn't even eat that. And then you had maybe a bag of chips or something in there. Uh, in the morning, the only difference is it would be like an egg or something in there. Right. Um, so you would eat that. Very, you know, but you, you go to canteen. You know, you go to store. So if you had money, then you were able to go and buy whatever they had in the canteen, right. cup of soup, stuff like that, uh, to sustain you. Um, the first time they opened up the, like I said, remember, it was a war. There's a war going on. And one of the tier tenders had gotten, uh, he was out doing, sweeping the tier, and somehow he ended up getting stabbed in the eye. Um, and so that fueled, that fueled a, a, a retaliatory move that was going to have to happen, right? right? And so the next thing, we finally go to chow. And in the chow hall, the alarm goes off. And so now you have gunners on both sides of the chow hall. And they're aiming down at the chow hall. You don't move. Don't, don't do anything. You can't get up and run. There's none of that. You know, just <laughs> get down. Get down. And there's bullet holes. The tables at that time they had, they were wooden. There was, you could see some bullet holes where they had actually shot at the, before. And in the wall, too. So now you know they And they got mini-14s. They got mini-14s. And inside, there's no warning shots. Right. Uh, there, and there's big signs that say, no warning no shots. No warning shots. So what? it isn't like, pow, where they shoot no. up in the air and go, everybody down? That's why they put those up. The first shot you hear... Is hitting, somebody. hitting somebody. There is no warning shots. And it's printed all over the institution on a four-yard, no warning shot fired. Yeah. In the that building. means when they say get down, you get down. And the fucked up thing is that in a chow hall, and correct me if I'm wrong, in a chow hall is probably the worst place for a shooting because you can't move and the bullets are ricocheting oh. all over inside the chow hall. Go you're, ahead. You're, in a, you go you're ahead. trapped in there, right? And so... The alarm goes off. Everybody's getting down, and here comes the here comes the squad. They're running, and literally three minutes—not even three minutes. 
they're coming back out with a guy on a gurney, right? And he had gotten, uh, I guess, on the way to ch- on the way to go to the chow hall, he had gotten gutted Ugh. because he was part of his intestines were hanging out on the side, right? Yeah. And as they were trying to hurry up and get him uh, to the infirmary, uh, fortunately for him, you know, in the infirmary they have some of the best uh, emergency surgeons or something in the world. I don't know. Yeah, uh, they yeah. they say if we get you in here alive, chances are you'll you'll survive. Right. They had a uh, lot of practice. Yeah. If they get you in alive, the problem is getting you in alive. Sometimes <laughs> when you're see, here's the thing: in lo, those level fours, yeah. Since there is so much gun coverage and there are really no blind spots. You, no one has the mentality. Again, it's all about mentality and what you're used to, how you're used to thinking. Yeah. There's no such thing as let's fight. There's no, in your mind, you're not saying, man, I got a problem with you, man. I'm going to hit you in your mouth. We're going to fight. Right. No. I got a problem with you. So the next time I see you, I'm going to stick you. Because I got to hit you and move. I can't fight because the gun, I'll get shot. I take a chance on getting shot. If you're tussling and fighting with somebody, Next, and I had an associate of mine, a guy, he was getting ready to get out in like a week. And I had talked to him for like three weeks because he was saying, man, the time's coming. And the final week, he ends up, and this is from what I hear, he, he's on the, this is in uh, Tehachapi. So there's a tier, second tier. He ran up the stairs to have an argument with this guy on the end cell. The gunner shoots him in the back of the head. That's it. There's no, like I said, no warning shot. So you don't fight. That's not your mentality. And if it was your mentality, you learn quickly. That's why it's so serious to, to make the right decisions. Because if you don't, then you, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Right? right? Either, I, either I allow you to disrespect me, allow you to put me in a position to where I have to react, you know, or... I'd be a, I'm aggressive and, and I want to do something to you. I can't afford to just, you know, let it go. I got to I have to do something and it has to be lethal. Right. You know, I have to put something in you and then keep moving. It's like self-preservation. That's what it is. Yeah. It's the self-preservation, but it's it's self-imposed, man. You know, it's all self-imposed. But anyway, so in those le- at that time you did but then now you move into other levels. Once your points go down, yeah. Uh, but did you had you a question about the, the level four? Did you have any? No, no, no. Which I want to know how long you had to stay in that environment. I had to stay in that environment. Again, that's the type of environment I was in for 10 years. Yeah. Maybe, maybe give or take a year here or here. Did you have a mentor? Did you have like an older guy or an experienced guy that was helping you mm, at all no, with no. navigate this problem? No, that happens in the movies. You know, <laughs> yeah, in the movie, Shawshank you know, Redemption. Yeah, yeah that's it. Was there a Morgan Freeman? Did Morgan Freeman pull no. you aside and tell you how it no, really <laughs> no, Morgan Freeman never pulled me aside. I did have one guy, his name was, um, that's strange, I can't remember his name right now, but this was a guy, he was a tear tender, and he gave me a piece of advice um, that I remember to the day. He said to me, he said, never say anything, well, Mind your own business, of course. You know, right. Keep your own business. Don't get involved in drugs. I mean, this is advice I give somebody. Don't get involved in drugs. Right. Do not gamble. And never say anything about someone behind their back that would make them an enemy to you. Right. Right? right. He didn't say it in those words, but that's, that's my, I'm not verbatim. But basically, he said, because if you do say something, he might not be an enemy, but he will be. Right. Once he hears what you said. Right. Right. He's yeah. Like, if you have something you want to say to somebody, it, it, negative, whatever, 
go to that person. Hey, check this out, man. You know. And here's the thing: we're not used to talking about. There's no such thing as man. You, you nowadays, it's all about man. You made me. F- when you did this, I felt like that. You right. Know? That's the training you get. You know, in these these self help groups. You made me mad. Yeah. You made you no no. You caused me to feel a certain way because right. I can't make you be mad. You 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 know. Right. You so the thing is, is that there was none of that in prison. You don't go to the guy and say, you know what, man, you hurt my feelings when you said that. Right. When you called me a punk bitch, I really felt disrespected and hurt. Right. No, when you called me a punk bitch, I then plotted ways that I'm going to show you that I'm not a punk bitch. And you know, here we go. Yeah. So these are the, this is the environment you're in. So you get write-ups, you do things. Sometimes you have to do things that you're not proud of, that you, you wish you didn't have to do, um, or, or you end up being a victim. Uh, right. You know, of some type. Right. Um, I didn't want to be a victim right. of any type. So, uh, it, you know, it, it is what it is. So then I ended up, the points dropped down, um, and then I go to, uh, but now, mind you, one of the redeeming thing was is that I became Muslim. Right. In the level four, in, in Tehachapi. Did you read the Quran, like the whole thing? Yes, Wow. Yeah, of course. You you do that every month during Ramadan. It's it's designed to to be read thirtieth uh, every month, every day, until the end of the month. What year would this have been that you had started to make that twist? Nineteen ninety three. So when two thousand when nine eleven when nine eleven yeah. hits, did that impact uh, you? Like, did you feel people saying like, "Hey, man, what the fuck"? No. No, I mean not in not inside. I mean I'm quite I I know for a fact that people you know in society Muslims in society felt that yeah you know in mo- some areas more than others you know um, women were were forced to not wear the hijab based right. upon and right you, you had feuds between scholars that one would say no you you still wear them another one would say no you don't and they would feud oh he's getting you wrong you know that kind of stuff right but inside no. Um, I remember where I was at. I was it was a, uh, a, a substance abuse program called Hope that I was in. I was a, one of the mentors in, and actually I was the clerk for the uh, captain for, of that program. And I was also doing facilitating certain groups, yeah. ethic gr- ethics groups, and other things like that. So I saw it on TV, and I was like, "Wow!" I thought it was a you know what the hell's going on here, you know? Because I didn't catch it from the beginning. I caught the second plane. Right. I didn't catch the first one, and you know you. Wow, you know, but you're still separated from it. You know, you're not there. It's right. you know, it's not live for you. And I'm like, wow. And I know, see, I know Islam, and I know what it, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable in Islam. Right. You right. can't just say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just as jihad, and I, no, that doesn't work that way. But the people who don't, the vast majority of people that don't understand that, they automatically, you know, have a negative view of Islam because of that. And that's one of the reasons why that's such a a heinous deed is because you not only kill the people that were there, you also kill off people that might become Muslim or might have an understanding of Islam. You know, that's so interesting. You, 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 so it's like if I want to show you the beauty of Islam, I don't do that by blowing up a bus of, of, of kids. Right. You know, I don't do that because now all the parents of those people, the loved ones, they will forever right. hate Islam right. and Muslims. Right. Right. And I, I don't blame them. Right. You right. can understand. Right. I can understand that. So that, that was my thing. So because I became Muslim, it, in, it instilled in me, well, let me not say that. 
it allowed me to be the person that I am in my heart. Remember I told you at the beginning of this, uh, when the father asked me, told me not to kill him, why would I do that? In my heart, I'm not a bad person. I don't want to hurt people. Right. And so Islam allowed me to be able to be me. I don't have to put up fronts. I don't have to put up airs. I don't have to try to impress anyone. All I have to do is just be the person that I am. Right. And uh, Islam allowed me to care for you right. and your feelings. And the structure of Islam made it mandatory for me to do that. I can't, I have no other choice but to treat you a certain way as my Muslim brother. Right. And by extension, any other person that I have to have, to have respect for and treat a certain way. So it allowed me to be me. It right. allowed me to function in a, in a, I would say like a bubble maybe within a society or within an environment that really is their, their, their morals are willy-nilly. You right. Know, if it doesn't no suit structure. me, yeah, if it doesn't suit me, then I don't care, you know. Did you ever have a total like a, a hit like a bottom, a total bottom in in prison? Was there ever a point where you hit the lowest point that you're ever going to hit in prison? No, uh not in the I don't think in the sense that you mean it where uh, you know like in as a drug addict, you know, no, like hit even bottom emotionally where you were like like the enormity. Okay, so now we've been kind of dancing around it a little bit. Well, don't dance. Just I ain't. I'm gonna. We're gonna cut this shit right here. But you alluded a little bit to it. Like you didn't really. It didn't hit you what had happened. What had transpired. That right. someone's son was killed. Right. And at some point, I gotta believe the survival aspect of prison. You get a little bit of a handle on it. At what point does the enormity of what you did hit you? For me, it was a number of years later. Right. You know, we're talking about maybe a decade. It took about a good 10 years, maybe even 12 or 13 years for me to finally sit back and, and just accept the fact. Because, mind you, when you, when you have a, um, a crime like that, you have to go to the board, right? The board yeah. of prison terms in order to get out. Yeah. Which means you sit in front of, you know, two or three people um, and they go over your crime. I mean, that's what they do. They, the first thing we're going to talk about is your crime. Right. Right. And then we're going to, after a crime, we're going to talk about your post-conviction and what you've been doing in prison. Right. Right. So when they talk about the crime, and this is, this is something that happens to 100%, I believe, of people that go to and get denied, is that they say, okay, so um, tell us about this crime. And then you start, you start making, start talking about, well, uh, you know, this is what happened. And then, um, you know, he had a gun, I had a gun. Well, then they asked, well, why did you have a gun? And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, well, you know, I, everyone that I, you know, was around, they had guns. And so I felt I needed to have a gun for protection. Everyone had a gun? Not... You know, you start to realize I've made blanket statements here, right? Right. And it's like, so you're saying that your neighbors, they had guns and they were, you were worried about them doing something to you? Right. Well, no. Uh, see, already, I've already got a denial coming. Right. Just, that, just like that. that. I've already got a denial. And when they start talking about the, the, the reason I committed the crime, you see, then I start saying things like, well, you know, he had a gun and so I felt I had to shoot him because I needed, he was going to... Oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm putting blame on the victim. Now. So, the, so the board is in turn reflecting back and trying to pull apart your rationalizations that are keeping they, you away from really mentally and emotionally embracing exactly what actually happened. You couldn't have said it better. 
Exactly. Their their job, among others, right, is to make you face what happened, the reality. For you to stop, and with my case, for me to stop trying to defend that 18-year-old boy right. that committed the crime and just say exactly what it is. I was a monster. I didn't care about anybody but myself. Right. Right? I had no feeling. So they need, they need to know that I know that now. Right. That I have accepted the fact that I was not a good person at that time. And had it not been for what happened, I probably would have hurt other people or bad things would have happened, right? So once I started saying to them, to them yes, that was me. You know, I did that. And stop trying to defend that, that person. Yeah. Now you're on the road. But is there, is there a point like when you, in the beginning stages of that, when you're in the board and they're asking you those questions and are you feeling yourself... Um, like being stumbling or I don't know how to explain this exactly, but are you feeling like, oh shit, we're having a conversation in a territory I haven't been in yet. And I can sense that I'm giving some answers here and they're asking me some questions and I'm being pulled in a direction and it's happening right now. I didn't plan for, I didn't script it all out. I didn't know what was the right thing to say yet. Right. Did you feel did you feel the conversation feeling like that to you where you're like oh shit there um I because of this and well I guess I guess my neighbor didn't have a gun did you feel yourself actually in a zone where you you were actually now starting to be unfamiliar with what what was being required of you Well the short answer is yes um because that's part of again I said their job is, is a number of things another one of their jobs is to make sure that you don't have scripted so right. I, can, I can sit back and look at my transcripts from my last board hearing and I can listen to other people who went to the board and, and try to piece together what's the best thing to say. Yeah, exactly. Ask this. Um, their job is to try to make sure that what you're saying is real and it's not scripted. So they're going to ask questions. It's going to be something that's like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Even you today, you, you, like I said, you asked a question that had been asked for me before. Right. right? Um, the, the thing is, is that it doesn't matter. If you're being real, yeah. if you really get it, and if what you're saying is honest, how can you surprise me? Right. Because I'm going to give you an honest answer. Even if that answer is, you know what, I don't really know. But so I've had conversations with people and then like maybe like a day, two, three days later, what they're really saying to me hits me. Like it didn't, I didn't get it completely at the moment, but later in the shower, later when I'm laying down, all of a sudden, I'm like, holy fuck, that's what they're talking about. Did you have epiphanies like that when you were finally by yourself in, in like the dark and you're sitting there thinking like, holy shit? Yes, absolutely. That's, that's, you just described what growth is. That's what growth and acceptance is all about. You know, it's about not trying to uh, figure out a ways because the minute you uh, say something that I feel is an attack or I feel is negative, my immediate reaction is defensive. Right? Yeah. I put up mental defenses, emotional defenses, and I'm ready to I'm ready to fight. Right? Right. But what what needs to happen for me is that I need to just you know what? I, that's true. What he what that person said. You know? Yes. This that is exactly what happened. It it's it might not be what I want to hear or what yeah. I want to accept. But you speak the truth out. Islam teaches you speak the truth even if it is against yourself. You know, you, 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 it's, it's not in your best interest immediately maybe, 
but in the long run, because life is life is a long journey. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't you can't measure it by this moment right now. You know, I get I need to defend myself right now. No, you need to tell the truth. You need to be honest. You might not like that right now, but later on down the line, you're going to see that it was the best thing to do, and it, it gave you the growth that you needed. This is why it's good, Chumon, because you're always practicing in the ways when you're like, you know what, if I really care about somebody, I'm going to tell them the way it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to tell them what they want. I'm going to tell them the truth. And they, although they might not want to hear it. No, I got what haters. What you talking, right. But you're not worried about that. You're not concerned with that. What you're it's doing true. is you're delivering the truth. Right. Whether they're ready or when they get ready or whether it takes 10 years, that's going to replay in their head. Fuck, that guy said that a long time ago. But I couldn't hear him back then. Your job ain't how they receive it. Your job is to continue just being honest. Right. So now, like, you go in for a long, long stretch. Now, you at that time, it's like you're not getting out, really. Right? The reality of that situation is you live with a concept like, I'm really not getting out of here for a long time. And we're talking decades. How long, do, how long was it, did we say? 32. And you go in, and what year was it that you go in? I go in, I walked into Folsom, uh, 85, 1985. Now, 1985, kind of like what we were talking about with, with Brian Stevens. I mean, there were no, what, what, were there cell phones in 1985? What did they have in 1985? They didn't when, even have cell phones out here in 1985, no. I don't think. No, there weren't no cell phones. Uh, what, what did they, the yeah. bone. Remember the bone? Mm -hmm. The brick. The, the brick. The brick, mm -hmm. yeah. With the great antenna. The giant one. And maybe like an attorney on TV had that. Yeah. Yeah. P.I. Right. Or some big dope dealer. It cost yeah. you $20 a minute, you right. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like in Dynasty, the oil tycoon in Dynasty right. Right. had that. Exactly. That's who had them. Mm -hmm. Right. In the briefcase. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you go in then. Now, how aware of are you of the changes in the world as you're in there? Obviously, you're doing your own thing and you're trying to survive, so you can't spend that much time. But do you get an inkling at all while you're in there that, like, dude, as these decades are progressing, shit's changing a ma majorly? Oh yeah, I mean, you got TV, you know. Yeah, we're not we're not like on an island secluded like in <laughs> Korea where there's no media. It's like no, you you get you got a TV, you got a radio, you got access to public broadcast you got all that you know you're you know if you don't want to want to know what's going on in the world you don't care about the news then you can just not watch it right but if you do it's there you know you watch the news you see what's going on um was there anything surprising to you like you if you go in at 85 and the world even politics let's say it's a certain way is there any because you know you have a vantage point that many people who are like now pundits and experts don't have which is you got removed from it a little bit and you got to sit back now and watch. And you went in at a certain time. So was there anything that you were like, holy fuck, that's crazy. For the, I never thought these two people would ever work together. No, I didn't give that much, you know, thought into what other people are doing, their other yeah. lives. You know, they're out there doing their thing, you know. Or I, countries. Pol politics and all that. I never really got involved. I mean, to a, to a point, I like watching the, the morning uh, 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 programs on politics, you know, yeah. meet the press and all that. I like yeah. to know the players and who's who and what's going on. Yeah. But as far as I'm so far removed, and the average American, in my opinion, the average American citizen is so far removed from all that stuff that they're sitting there making all these observations on. Yeah. And their opinions. Right. That it's, it's ridiculous. The, the, who the president is of the United States. Right is not going to make my rent go up or down. 
okay, mm, is not going is not going to make my car payment go up or down, mm. right? Now, in the long run. <laughs> if, in case anyone wants sound to know, sound effects over here. Yeah, okay, I'm not. I haven't been playing sound effects for at least an no, these hour. Are yeah, these, yeah, are, those all, are all real. Steve, he's like you, right now. What you just heard, he's got his he's got his, his shirt out. He's washing on the washboard. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing a prison laundry right here. Yeah, in the right. Want to make it real? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, but what you're saying is everything's so far removed that it's pointless to get crazy. I, you know yeah. what? I want to interrupt a second because there's a point that. I think that he was getting at that needed to be made that we might have gone over on this whole news thing is that it's very different when you're watching, say, these new inventions come out yeah. on TV. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you're in prison. You're not going to see that thing in real life. It's not going to affect you. You're not. But us, out when you're out here and you see it, you're like, fuck. And then the next day you're out and maybe a day or two later, you're like, you see that thing and you're like, let me hold that or it's in a store or it now is incorporated into your life. Right. You're seeing these things on news, then you're pretty soon they're going to, you're going to touch them because they're going to be part of you. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, you're up on shit. Does you got, does what I'm saying make sense? Totally. So you guys? Yeah. But when you're in prison, it's like you're looking at it and as crazy it might be, it ain't going to touch you in your prison cell. Is that painful? So you get to watch it, and it might be cool for a second, but it kind of just comes and goes, comes and goes. <laughs> because you're not going to have any experience with that. That's not going to come to prison. Does you it ever hurt you, though? Like, Do you ever look at that and you go, man, I wish I can't wait to fucking open up a cell phone? I, I just, no, I don't even think you become that invested because it's not tangible to you, right? Wow. So it's like you see it. But it doesn't really affect your life. So it goes very quickly. Unlike out here, you're like, wow, you start pondering. You're like, that's dope. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go down to the store tomorrow and try that out and see what that's right. like. Right? Yeah. But none of that's happening. So in prison, the t amount of time that you hold on to it is like, you see it? Cool. Move on. Yeah. Wow. And all the news is kind of like that. You don't, yeah. per does that make sense? What I'm yeah, saying is. It's a talking point. Exactly. It's a talking bro. point in prison. You know, you get with guys, you know, and you know that that at least have some, you know, idea what's going on. Yeah. And you say, "Man, did you see that uh, yeah, man, that was crazy." Or you're watching TV, you're watching the game and they have the day room. Yeah. So you got the game on or whatever and everybody's watching soap operas or whatever. And all of a sudden a commercial comes on advertising, you know, the latest uh BlackBerry or whatever. Phone. Right. You're like, "Wow, man, that's cool." Man. Now, I will say this. Yeah. Once, once cell phones started becoming more prevalent in the institutions, then you could, all, you could make a little bit of connection here now. Yeah. Because now when I see a phone, I'm like, oh, man. So now you go to your connect, you know, and it's like if you've got the money... Hey man, uh, that new uh, what's it call it out or whatever you know? Right. Think you can get one of them? Yeah. And now you start making plans to try to get it. Yeah. Know? So that's at that time this, when the cell phones came in. Then you came. It's it's interesting. Like you were saying, once once you're connected to something, you can actually reach out and touch it. See, now you're interested in it in a whole different way. Right. Right. You know? Exactly. Now it's like, ooh, I could I could actually have that. Right. Right. So okay. let me let me now you want to look and see how thin it is. See in in prison. Well, for me, you wanted to look at how big the phone was. Oh, yeah. You want to look at how big the phone was. It right. Was, it's like you couldn't, um, you didn't want a big old chunky, chunky phone. So yeah. you're trying to get the smallest thing you can have because you have to hide this thing. Right. You know? And I'm not talking about hiding it up your butt. Okay. You know, because that was a, 
oh man, they really tried to sell that one. That <laughs> wait, 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 what? Convicts what? were getting their phones through the visiting room, and yeah, right, okay. Wait, wait, what are you saying? Explain that. Well, I mean, when you have. No, I know that, but he's saying he's trying to. He's making a point about it. He's saying yeah. like they really tried to sell that one. Well, because they're trying to. They don't want to let it be known, or they don't want to admit that the staff, the cops are bringing it and, in, and, yeah, and police and officers are bringing these things. Yeah, they want to be like, oh yeah, they bring it in themselves. Like they're so 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 iPhone tens in your ass. So Joseph Joseph is like Joseph is saying like, come on, man, because right. the staff was actually doing the dirty shit, right. yeah. but they were trying to make it seem like humans were jamming phones up their butthole to get them right. in. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy, right? So you, but you in there, you get the phone. You want to get this particular <laughs> phone, and and then it's amazing how you. When I look back on it, because it's like, I'll give you an example for me. I used to smoke. Okay. Right. Uh, Marlboros, red red box. Right. And that was fine. Okay, fine smoking. But then they start they started saying in prison, you know, we're cutting down. You can't smoke in certain areas. You couldn't. You they had a one area you had to go in to smoke, like in PIA. You had to go to a particular area right under the bubble of the, the, the staff to smoke your cigarette. I don't want to stand over there and smoke a cigarette. So I'd be at my desk or you'd see other people and they're hunched down behind their sewing saw, saw machines and they're, they're smoking mm, yeah. and they're waving the cigarette to keep the smoke. <laughs> wow. you see the smoke. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, they've made, this, they've made us look like morons or like we're just involved in criminal activity here. I'm smoking a cigarette and I got to go through all this stuff. Right. Right. So that shied me away from that with the smell of the, my fingers and my mustache. Yeah, yeah. So I, I started getting away from it. And that's what it is with, with, these, now with the phones. Anything you do, if it's not something that is above board and is honest and, and correct, then you have to hide at times to do it. Yeah. You know? And that's an that's a, a, a indicator that maybe <laughs> you need to check what you're doing. Because if what you're doing... <laughs> You have to hide and circumvent, and you have to try to make things up to try to keep people from knowing it. Then there's something wrong. Right, you're twisting right? yourself into contortion. And that's what it was with phones. You know, you have and and amazing enough, I walked through my building. I was in a building, and there's tiers, two tiers, and it's dorms. So you walk by, and there's about uh, anywhere between eight to twelve people in a dorm. Yeah, literally half. To complete, I mean, at least six people to seven people in a dorm all had phones. <laughs> and they're on the phone. They're sitting on, on, wash, Feet up, yeah. on wash buckets and they're on like the, the phone. Like the front porch. And it's like if, if you were a cop walking through, and many of them do walk right? through, and it's like they'll shake their keys when they when they come through because they want to let you know I'm coming. Right. And I don't want to have to do it. I don't want to have to do yeah. paperwork. Now, if you're dumb enough, mm -hmm. after I've shaken my keys and I still catch you on the phone, I may just, you know, talk crazy to you, but I may have to just take that phone and write you up. Right. Or just take the phone. Right. A lot of them will just say, give me that. Right. And they'll just take it. Now you just lost the phone, but that's, you know, that's six, seven, eight hundred dollars Right. You know, for that phone. So it's like I start looking at activities. If I'm doing something that I can't, that I can't openly do, it ain't worth something's it. wrong, you know. Let me ask you this. So you're, you're in there 30, 30, so 31 years goes by. Right? And I'm not saying that to, to make it small. That's a big fucking deal. But what I do want to get to is you're at a point where you're not, you're still like, oh, I mean, obviously I'm not getting out of here. But at what point after this long stretch does it start, like you start to get an indication like, whoa, I'm getting out. 
When does that start to cross your mind, ideas and concepts of you wow. getting out? Well, first and foremost, let me say, you, you never say to yourself, I'm never getting out. You don't. No. Because then there's no hope. You know, if I just say, oh, this is it, this is my life, then that means that I'm just going to just go ahead and just follow suit with a lot of stuff that's going on. I'm not doing that because I know eventually, once I reached the point where I, I stopped getting the write-ups and I started saying, you know, I'm the cause of my problems, not other people. Right. right? And I started changing my ways. Now, getting out of prison with the board, it's not something that happens right there. Right. You, don't, you don't change when you get out. You've changed before you got out. Right. You know, there, be, there came a time when I was in prison where prison is where I was, but not who I was. And for many years, that was who I was. Right. Once I changed into the person that was in prison, this is where I am, but who I am is not here. Mm -hmm. Then I start mm -hmm. functioning differently. I start thinking differently. I start making different moves. Right. And it takes a little time for other people to get on board with those moves. This is one of the reasons why people, um, I've, in my experience, if people have problems when they relapse, is because on whether it be drugs, criminal behavior, whatever it is, is because you've said to yourself, you know what, I'm not going to be, a, I'm not going to lie anymore, I'm not going to cheat, I'm not going to do any of this, right? But the people around you, they knew you as the thief, they knew you as the liar, and they're not going for it. Right. So you have to convince them right. that I've changed. So you're trying your best, you've changed in your heart and your mind, you're changed, but no one else is accepting it. Right. So fuck it, I'll just go back to what I was doing before, right. relapse. Right. right. So when you start to change who you are and your mentality, who you want to be, you have to give other people the opportunity to accept it as well. Not only that, but you got to, I think on some level, it, you got to own your change so much that it doesn't matter what the fuck other people think about what you're doing. You're doing it for you. Yeah, there, there is that aspect, but let's be honest. Yeah. We don't live in, in, in when no man is an island, you need other people. No, I'm not right. saying that. So I need other people to be on board with, my, with, with the person I want to be too yeah. because I'm going to need their help. Right. Right. And even the things that you have rights, I say it now with these people that relapse all the time, again and again and again. Look, you can't, it, you have to be able to, to prove uh, that I want to help you. Right. Right. You might have this coming. You have a right to this. Right. But I don't like your attitude. I don't like the way you came in here with this entitlement. I don't like the way you're talking. So I'm going to make it as difficult as I can for you to get what you got coming. Right. Yeah, you got it. But I'm going to make you wait for a couple of days now. Whereas if it were different, if I came in with a better attitude, I acknowledged people, I respected people, I was a better person, then they want to help you. Right. You know, and you can get a lot farther with a thousand people you know, running in the same direction yep. than you can with just one person hanging on your neck. And all it takes is just that one person to make things difficult for you. And it didn't have to be that way, right? So again, here I am in prison. Uh, I, I, had, I always had hope of getting out. Yep. And at some point I had to realize that the changes that I'm making will eventually show, the, people will recognize them. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden you have officers that will, hey man, uh, you a Muslim? I was noticed you're a little different. You know, you, you have a different attitude about yourself, you know. Or I had one, to, one thing that happened to me, I'll never forget. They had a, a, a brother who claimed he was a Muslim. He went to the hole. He went to that seg. And he was ranting and raving. He had, he had issues. And he said that the Muslim was going to make a hit on the captain. Mm. Yeah. So you know what happened there. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah. first thing they did was come and get me. Mm -hmm. I'm the emir of the yard. <clears throat> right. So you're saying... 
the Muslims are going to do something to Kaepernick. They came and arrested me immediately. Mm-hmm. They just came and cuffed me up and took me down. I'm in the program office. I had one of the um, goon squad sergeants that knew me. He's, he's, he doesn't even wear goons. He wears suits now, right? But he knew me back when he was an officer, right? And we dealt with one another. He looked at, he said, no, I don't know what this is going on. Mm-hmm. This is out of, my, out of my sight. He says, no, I don't, I'm not going for it. This guy, mm-mm. maybe at one point, no, he's not involved in this. There's something else going on here. They, they released me from them handcuffs because of what he said. Mm-hmm. He spoke up for me. But there was a time when if a situation happened on the yard and they just gaffle up everybody in the vicinity, officer would come in and say, oh, you again, huh? Right. Yeah. Right, right, oh, right, you're right. back in here again. Mm-hmm. You know, it went from me being here again to what are you doing here? Right. Why right. are you involved? Oh, there's something's wrong. And that only happens if your con- if your conviction is that I want to change my life and I want to be a better person. That's the one. That's the person that the board looks at and says, you know, we no longer see you as a threat. And so there did come a point in time when that happened, mm-hmm. and it was one day finally after mm-hmm. all your work. Right. What does it feel like to go up in front of the board, say that, and they finally tell you, we no longer think you're a threat? Wow. Well, you know, they have the box of tissue right there. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know anybody, I don't care how hard, mm-hmm. you could be too hard for the yard, all you want mm-hmm. to. But when they say that, it, it hits you. You know, It's still not hitting you all at once, but you do, because you kind of got a feeling, an inkling when you went in. The board is different. The, the, the whole atmosphere of the board is different when they're mm. getting ready to give you a date. Mm-hmm. Because my theory is, is they have three different piles of files. They have the file of the people that they're going to give dates to. They have a file of the people they're not going to give dates to, which is a lot bigger. And then they have that file of, eh, depends on what he says. The wobblers. The wobblers, <laughs> right? I was on the pile of the people that they wanted to give dates to. It was up to me to lose it. Right. By by the questions they ask. And they're going to ask us some of the same questions they asked before. And if my answers are the same and I haven't learned any no growth, then I can lose it. Right. Um, but that's not the case. So when they said we no longer deem you as a threat, you know, you sit there for a minute and, you know, you just wow. And the, the tears just come. You know, it's not like you, you know, all of a sudden I said I felt it. No, it's just wow. Let me have that Kleenex, you know. And you're sitting there and you're listening, but you're not really, you're, you're, you're hearing, because that's a biological function. You, I hear, but I'm not listening to mm-hmm. what they're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's all the, you know, uh, whoop-de-whoop, and we find you, you know, and you and everything just blends in together. All I know is you're letting me go. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and that's all I'm focused on. And it was, it's a beautiful feeling. And then you get out, and you, the first thing you do, the first thing I did is I went straight to the masjid. I said, I want to make, I didn't even want to tell, talk to anybody. But of course you have to because there's people that are standing there waiting. You know, they knew you were going, what happened, what happened? You know, and you put the thumbs up or the thumbs down, you know. So it was a great feeling. Uh, but then it's still tempered with the fact that it can be taken because in California the governor has a right to, to deny it or to reverse it. Um, so you go through that three, the, th- the two people on the panel, the commissioner and the deputy commissioner, and then it goes to a full board of 20 of the 20 uh, commissioners and then they view it to see if there was any mistakes made by their counter by their colleagues. And then they they have uh, the first um, what is 120 days or something like that, right? And then it goes to the governor for the last 30 days. 
So 150 days altogether. So once it gets to that 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 30 days for the governor, yeah, five months. 30 days for the governor is like, oh, if people have actually been in R and R, ready to go home, and then they say the governor just reversed it, go back. You know, that's a psychological blow. And so everyone knows, and you see people that you know, man, I got found, I was, I got found suitable, and then the governor took it. So you don't know until you go for sign that paperwork. When they call you in to sign the paperwork, and that was a funny thing because when they called me in to sign the paperwork, I never dreamed, thought in any of my, that I'd be in San, in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I went to, like I said, when I went to board, I was honest, and I wanted to go to L.A., and they had a health, they had a, the organization mm-hmm. in L.A. And uh, they were closed for intake for people <clears throat> getting out of prison in L.A. And she knew that, the commissioner. So when she saw health right in L.A., she wanted to see if I, what I was going to say. She said, oh, so you're going to parole to um, L.A. for health? <laughs> for the, I said, yes. She says, oh, so they're ready to take you in if we let you go. And I'm like, well, no. They're actually closed for intake getting out of prison, but from my understanding that, and she stopped me. She said, I already know. I just wanted to see what you were going to say, but we can send you there. Into, there's another one in San Francisco. Now I heard her say that, right? But I forgot all about that. So when I go to sign my paperwork, I'm looking at San Francisco. You're going to San Francisco. I'm like, I don't know nobody in San Francisco. Never been there. Right. But right. I'm signing my paperwork. So you can put me on the moon, really. Right. Right. <laughs> They got a lot of the same shit in San Francisco as they got in L.A. Right. So now, mind you, now here I am. I've been out of society for 30 some odd years. Right. And I'm being placed back into society after all that time, not only all those years later, but also in a city I've never been in. Right. So So, obviously they took time to educate you and prepare you to re-enter society. No, 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 no. They have have re-entry classes and stuff, but they're very, they touch base here. They're very um, minimal. Right. Minimal, to say the least. Um, that's why I realized once I got out and I started seeing some of the uh, issues and complications, you know, that we were facing, that I'd, I wanted to try to do something for guys that were getting out and teach them because they have you going to substance abuse classes and and all this stuff on NA and AA and all that. I've already exercised those demons. I don't have those issues. What I need to know is how, what buses do I take to get where I need to go? How do I right. get my my right to work documents, my, my California ID, my whatever I need mm-hmm. to get? Where do I go? What do I do? I had to have a, 18, a person that was young enough to be my child teach me how to use the little a little thing at the market, the, the automatic teller at the market. Right. I didn't know how to use that thing. Right. You know? When you went in, there was a cashier that yeah, was ringing shit up. Exactly. Now they got this thing, you pushed it, I don't know, and all the, this was a, a CVS. They didn't have any cashiers. All they had was this at the time. So I had to go to it. So I had to humble myself enough to say, you know, I don't know how to use this. I don't tell them why. I just say, look, I've never seen this. How, how does this work? You know? So I had to learn. These are things that guys that are getting out after doing decades of time, they need to know that. They need to know so they don't feel embarrassed because they might not handle the embarrassment as well or they might not even choose to ask. Right. You know, they'll just put the stuff down and go to someplace else. You know, no, right. I want to show you how to get your credit. I want to show you the importance of those three numbers. I want to show you the importance of these other issues, not because I'm an expert and I've done all this. I went to Harvard or Yale. No, but because I've experienced it. And this is what I had to do. And this is where I am today because of it. 
So what you do then is, based on your experience, you carry the experience of wisdom that you got, and you're trying to help other guys that are coming out. Exactly. Now, we, what was the? Was there anything when you got out? So you did this huge amount of time. Was there anything you got out? You were like, I am going to that restaurant and I'm eating that fucking meal. Was there anything that you wanted to eat? Or drink or taste mm-hmm. that you were like, man, I gotta. Mm-hmm. What was it? Well, when I first got out, I wanted to, for some reason, I wanted some waffle. I like waffles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hadn't had any good waffles. So I said to my, I said to the person that came and she came and got me, I said, I wanna mm-hmm. go have some waffles. So he took me to IHOP. And of course, it, you know, it didn't live up to my expectations. You know? Really? No. The last time I had waffles like that was 30 some odd years ago. It was different. Right. You know, just like the apple pie at McDonald's. I went to McDonald's. I said, let me, I haven't had apple pie in 40 years. <sighs> let me go get an apple pie. Oh, man, you talk about disappointment. It didn't look like the apple pie I was used to. It, didn't, it didn't ta- definitely didn't taste like the apple pie. So because of the changing in times and, and economy and stuff like that, so they've changed the... Min- the, the, the Corporate the, uh, bullshit. Yeah, they've changed the ingredients on things. Of course. So naturally, my, pa- my waffle did not taste... Like I had thought it would in my mind, like right? <sighs> Did you find that waffle eventually? I still haven't found it. Oh, man. Man. oh. Joseph yeah. in search of a waffle. Yes, That's I love that. And then, um, so you, you come out, you, but was there anything that you hadn't tried before? But then you came out and you ate it or tasted it or listened to it and blew your fucking mind. Well, I don't know about the blew my mind, but there was pretty much everything. Yeah, like what? You know, everything. I mean, you name it. I mean, there was food that I hadn't, you know, uh, let me try this. Let me try that. I'd go to a restaurant. First he, thing he I had to do. He blew up. He blew up. Yeah, first thing I had to do was get used to these prices. Let's get that out, there, out the way right now. <laughs> okay, when I went in, you know, you know, you get a cup of coffee. It costs you less than a buck, right? Yeah. And now it's like I get a cup of coffee. And they wanted like almost five dollars. <laughs> what the hell is this? You know, you better put some b- bagels or something with this. Uh, yeah. You know, I better get hash browns. But no, right. yeah, I had to get used to the prices here. Yeah. Um, which like coffee had changed, right? Coffee. Well, I mean, coffee is still the same, but it's just that you have all these extra flavors right. stuff, right? Did so, you ever go in and be like, give me one of them caramel frappe? I tried. Yeah, give me a cat flap, bitch slap, <laughs> clap clap, whatever. You know. <laughs> I said, give me one of those, and it turned out to be a bunch of foam. <laughs> right. I'm like, Damn oh, straight it did. Yep. Yeah. It turned out to be a, just a bunch of foam. You talk about disappointment. So a lot of things have been a disappointment because yeah. I'm expecting something that, that's, that's not going to be there. And so when I pay $5 for a cappuccino, what was that we got? Mm-hmm. Rappuccino? Cap- uh, uh, it was a cappuccino. Espresso, was it espresso? Ex- no, 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 it was a cappuccino. Yeah. Yeah. Cappuccino was like it, that I much. picked up the, picked up the <laughs> cup and it was real light because <laughs> the cup is this big, the coffee yeah. was this much and this much foam. Yeah, you know, was. so I'm like, damn. And he, he made me feel a little better. My feelings were hurt on that, by the <laughs> he way. Was, he was. Uh, was it hurt? Was, yeah, he they was were hurt. hurt. I can admit that. My feelings were hurt. So he saw that, and he said, here, take some of mine. He had had a regular coffee. He had the sense to get a regular coffee. Right. So he just poured some of his coffee <laughs> into mine, and I felt better after that. Right. <laughs> how, how, what, are, what are some of, you know, even till now, what have been some of the biggest hurdles that you've had to face in getting out? What are some of the biggest hurdles that... Maybe are still hurdles, or maybe not. But what were some of the big hurdles getting out upon getting out? Well, to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. uh, the relationship thing. I knew mm-hmm. you were going to go there. I did. Yeah, the relationship thing. <laughs> Brian because can relate. I don't have <laughs> very, very much. So. Yeah, I don't have. I don't have. I've been blessed 
since I've been out to not have a lot of issues. Um, I took steps um, that I knew I had to take in order to, like I say, to 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 build credit, right? To build it so that way when things happen, it's like my car gets towed. That's close to eight hundred dollars. Right. I don't have to come out eight hundred dollars in cash. I can just put it on my credit card. Right. You know, if if something happens and I need a two three thousand dollars, I can put it on my credit card. Right. right. So it's I haven't had money issues. And that's a big one. Money issues. From the time I got out, I stepped out of prison. And I stepped into this organization that will remain nameless, and I stayed my funding for that. And the one thing, the beautiful thing about this this city, is they are embracing and they have programs, right? Mm. And so I was stop funded. So I went from three months living three months in a huge mansion on Hay Street, right? Mm-hmm. Living there for treatment, which, like I say, the treatment I didn't need the treatment, but it's where they had to house me. Right. And I went from there. The next three months, I lived on the uh, went to the island, to Treasure Island, where they had a program there. Right. And then I was picked up by another program. And all I had to do was move like two flats, three flats down, apartments down, and stay there. So mind you, I'm living in the most expensive city in the world. In the world. In the world. In the world. And I'm living on with a million dollar view of the bridge in the city. Yep. Rent free allows me to work and keep my money as well as getting a little GA on the side mm-hmm. before I started working. Um, then I ended up getting a job at the organization that was that was funding all this. So now I live on another area of the island where I live rent free because I'm working for the company. And then I turned around and by the blessings of God, I hit the lottery that they have here for housing. Not once, but twice. All right. And so I ended up getting an apartment where I stay in now, beautiful place. Rent is very reasonable. You know, I'm making money, so I have a job. Right. So I haven't had a lot of these hurdles that, like, even my buddy here, he's had some very difficult, and I admire him utmost, yeah, man. Yeah, yes, because I do. Because he is... The stuff he's been through, a lot of people would have broke down a long time ago, including yeah. myself. I don't even know how if I would have stood up under it. Right, right. right. But he has had if he had a financial hit, he had to come out of pocket. Right. You know, he's he's had issues. So I, I applaud him for that. Yeah. I haven't had that. But the one area that I did, as I told you before, was the emotional because when you go into prison, when I went into prison, I went in at eighteen years old. Yeah. So my emotional connection to women and stuff was an eighteen year old connection. Right. You know? And and even though I I still the the foundation of me, I don't want to harm, I don't want to hurt your feelings. So I was always kind to women. Right. Right. Yeah. But I, all I wanted to do back then was just, you know, just have sex. You know, I just want right. to have some fun right. and and get that good feeling of being with a woman. You know, it was it was but committed relationship. Yeah, with the work maybe a little different. The work, yeah. 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 So now here I am. I'm in my I'm fifty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm back into a relationship, but I don't have any. I don't have a, a template on how a a real committed relationship how is a 50 year old man supposed to be with a woman in a relationship i don't know that well not only that but i mean come on you went in at 18 and then you had a bunch of years of just trying to fucking bide your time and a lot of build-up so now you're out and trying to navigate how am i going to deal with a woman it's not just emotional it is and then it's not just commitment it is but there's a sexual component too that's all very i would think very a lot to handle yes it, i mean it it was i don't know about a lot it was just it was just is what it, it that's i had to handle it right and so my one of the best ways I, I had to get i got married quickly 
Okay. Which was, you know, in retrospect, was was a bad move. But my religion, Islam, you know, I, I'm not, I, I do and I have, but each time that I go outside of the bounds of what I'm supposed to do, it starts to affect me. Right. right? So uh, regardless of what people may think or what they may hear, um, I'm not a womanizer in the sense of, I don't go out and try to go into bed and have sex with different women. It doesn't work. You're not a player. No. Now, I, I, I am kind and I am nice and I, I like the feeling of being around, uh, you know, I like, to, I like to hug, you know. Yeah. I'm a hugger. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. trying to hug Brian right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. So, but people would look at that and they think, oh, man, you're always trying to get at these. No, I'm not really trying to get at them because I know that I can't go anywhere with them. Mm. We're not going to have sex. Yeah. You know, um, at least not, you know, uh, the Bill Clinton sex. I was maybe. just going to say, maybe the Bill Clinton sex. I was going to say, Bill Clinton said the same <laughs> thing. He was like, yeah. hey, we're not having sex. No, we're not having sex. <laughs> yeah, we're not. I did Monica. not tell her to lie in deposition. I told her to lie in that position. <laughs> <laughs> Monica. But uh, yeah, so that that's the challenge that I have faced, and even to this day, because right. I still haven't had. Like I said, I got married and that didn't work out right. because it was for all the wrong reasons. I was right. accepting things that I didn't have to accept. Uh, and so now, you know, I'm tr- hopefully within the near future, I'll find someone that I can uh, do it the, the way I need to, need it to be done. Well, keep, him, keep her away from Sean. He's a lady killer. Oh, come on. You ain't going to get a chance with old blue eyes around. Yeah, I can tell. You got blue eyes over here. Yeah. 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 See, he's had the opportunity to watch me in several failed relationships. <laughs> <laughs> this is how not to do it. Because uh, I jump right in, so I don't have a problem with that. Right. Damn. Man. Hey, man, this is was, quite a journey you took us on. Yeah. Bro. It is quite. Man, I got to tell you, man, you are, you are, you know, from the day I met you, the way you handle yourself, the way you conduct yourself. And I had not been taken through your whole story, you know? We had talked here and there, and, and, and you had told me about catching your commitment young and, and different things, but I'd never been really taken through the story, man. And, um, damn, bro, I just, uh, I just want to commend you. I commend you for keeping your head. Thank you. You know, about, about yourself and being you. And um, that's the type of person you are today, and now we get to find out that you've kind of always been that guy. And... Um, yeah, and the other thing that I really appreciate about Joseph's story and Joseph in general is that he's a thinking man. You know, he's a sensitive thinking man Absolutely. in the real sense of the word, which, <laughs> which yeah. you know, like you said, allowed, I think did allow him to keep his head and also understand that he's going to have to navigate even now, right, navigate complex situations where it's not 100% clear which way you're supposed to go or this or that or, or desire or whatever it is, that part of it's really important. And that he wants to give back or help guys that went through his shoes learn skills and the necessary techniques or whatever so that they can come out and successfully re-enter society. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. Man. It's awesome. Uh, Joseph, man. Yes. Um, I just wish you the best. I look forward to the next time we come up to San Francisco. Uh, we I have you come sit in with Brian and sit in with us and visit uh, with us and keep us up to date on what's yeah, going let's, on. Let's ask the studio audience. Did you guys, uh, did you, did they enjoy? Uh, did they like this? Did they like this? 
Yeah, there's a lot of applause, yeah. man. Those people really like you. Right, Joseph. And I didn't even have to take my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't do that. Oh, don't do that. Yeah. So glad you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> now they really want you to take your shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome, brother. Listen, I want to thank you, Joseph. Thank you, brother, for making the time. Thank you for coming down and sharing with us, brother. Um, the Hard no Luck Show. And Brian, thank you for sitting in. Anytime, As always, you know, always, brother. These are my brothers right here, man, up here in SF. The greatest show on earth. We're going to sign out from San Francisco. It's the Hard Luck Show. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos.